Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Up Your Brave show. I'm your host, Natalie Kettler-Welsh, here on Reality Check Radio. And on the Up Your Brave show, it's all about courage, confidence, connections, and community. And today, we're going to be diving deep into connections in another way. In fact, connecting with yourself. We're going to be focusing on the theme of the power of self-discovery. I have three amazing guests lined up for you today, and they'll come at you in this order. We're going to be chatting with uh, alignment coach Melaine Lee Butler on unconventional aligned living and human design. We'll be talking to uh, Matthew Tehuki, also known as The Hook. He is a musician, Maori language and performance teacher, and we'll be discussing the power of love and forgiveness. And finally, Marie McLean, who will be talking to us about her book, uh, The No BS Guide to Getting Sober along the topic um, of addressing your drinking because you are your own guru. So before we dive into those interviews, as always, let's go and have a little look at some of the messages that we've got from our listeners. Now, last week we did holistic health. We had Dina Siniza talking about breathing. We had Shelly Gowith, and I've had a few um, emails come in. So we've got one here from Karen Hurd. Um, sorry, we've got one here from a woman who says that the Karen Hurd story is worth looking into. Her baby got sick from crawling on a carpet in their new home. Carpet cleaner nearly killed her baby. A good, healthy living story. And she, Karen, has gone on to do great things. Loved listening to Shelley. Well, you know, I think that one of the main takeaways from all of our from all of our interviews and hopefully the way that you feel after listening to my show each week is we want to leave you feeling empowered. And having a little bit more knowledge on board for you to make empowered choices and intentional decisions in your own life, and not necessarily to be told what to do and what to think. And um, knowing what is in your products, what's going in and on your body is definitely a big part of that. Um, There we go. Thank you so much. We've got uh, Nick writing in. Hi, Natalie. Your show is very professional and your voice accent is very listenable. Thank you so much. 
it's still very strong. I've been in New Zealand 27 years from Canada, but my accent is, it's here to stay. Um, we have another message here. And this one is also in response to Shelly. Now, Shelly's interview was great. She had recently been to the U, um, USA and got some real insight and truths around health and your body detoxing and things like that. Um, but sometimes we get people writing in with concerns. So I'm happy to read this out. Thank you, David, for writing in. Uh, just writing in, I felt Shelly's comments around the farmers spreading chemicals with the chemtrail climate modification planes as misleading and likely to further demonize farmers. Yeah, farmers have definitely had a hard go lately, and I don't think that was the intention, but thank you for writing in. I'm going to read on. Um, David says, agricultural modification planes, uh, sorry, agricultural chemicals are expensive and need to be applied accurately to the right time to be effective and are mostly applied by truck or tractor with planes only when necessary and directly over the crops as low as can be for accuracy and to minimize spray drift. Being involved with agriculture, I understand the importance of agrochemicals in being able to provide food at a good price. Um, it's great to see companies like AgriSea working with crop farmers and horticulturalists to support plants, um, plants' own resistance to disease and pests to reduce the reliance on chemicals. If we're going to use less chemicals, consumers may have to be prepared to accept more blemished fruit. Absolutely agree, David. And I think yeah, most farmers definitely are not up there in plains for sure. They're doing things on a more localized level. Thank you for writing in uh, with your comments and your concerns. We we got we get lots of messages. I just choose a few here and there to read out for people. Um, so if you do want to write in, you can definitely do that via text two zero five seven, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Uh, so what I've got for you coming up today is we're we're going to do. Um, a little. I had a little chat with Penny, one of my previous guests, Penny Claridge. She had a, a video that went absolutely viral last week where she presented to the board of trustees about her concerns about gender ideology in schools. And as we come to the end of Pride Week, I think this is obviously something we want to be aware of. And I had a conversation with my husband the other day. He said, you know, I've been listening to your show and think it's good that you raise these issues but you know why don't you say more of that because we were having this discussion and i and what i what i had said to him i said listen i of all people am not anti you know trans or anti anything i'm like super pro you know gay marriage and i'm super pro people being who they are i just don't think they need to go and change um you know body parts or take life changing hormones in order to um possibly change who they are so i just wanted to really highlight I really am all for people showing up in the world as they are and being accepted as they are. What I'm concerned about is the um, coercion or ideas being put in people's heads at a very young age, especially if they're vulnerable and um, they're just seeking community and they're just seeking acceptance. I don't think they need to be sold a silver bullet that is not, not actually going to make things necessarily I'm happier in their life. And that that's my concern. But let's let's listen to what Penny has to say. I did a little mini interview with Penny to just catch up with her about the video that she posted. She actually did a follow-up five-minute video. And you can find those links. She mentions them also in our little mini interview here, just to, to see how this is really resonating. And so many parents are really concerned. So here it is. This is Penny Claridge um, letting us know that it's time for parents to ask the critical questions. So now I'm talking to Penny Claridge again. We did a full interview a few weeks back, and now she's here with an update because her 
video has gone viral. This is obviously something our people are very concerned about. Penny, can you give us a little bit of where are things at right now and what are you wanting people and parents to do about it? Okay, so my video went viral when I went and spoke to my school board of trustees about two topics, one being the gender ideology and sexuality education in the school and the other being um, the way that the measles outbreak in Albany Senior High was being treated like a COVID outbreak with PCRs and and quarantines and things like that. So um, two really important hot topics at the moment. Um, So what sort of uh, happened, I posted it out about a week after I spoke it and probably when it been, been about four days, maybe 10,000 people or more have seen it and everyone's talking about it. So it tells me that we're over the target. It tells me that it is the thing that is waking the parents up. It tells me that finally, finally, um, we're going to stand up for our children because enough is enough. So that's exciting in a way because for me, I've felt the energy shift. I've had constant communication with people um, Parents are ring. Parents are emailing me, and they're showing me what they're doing, uh, paperwork wise and meetings wise. They're getting advice. They're asking for more information. They're wanting to connect with each other. It's it's created a massive shift. Um, so yeah, I just want to um, acknowledge the the people that have um, seen it and and gotten in touch and activated themselves. It's all about upping our brave. Um, particularly for fathers, we need the dads to stand up for their children right now. Um, if not now then when um yeah and so um the it's the end of pride week um so by now most of you will know whether inside out program came into your school or not they didn't go everywhere but they went to more than they've ever had before and so um i would just recommend parents to go online and do your own research you may be fine with what's going on um i would ask you to think about the fact that it wasn't like this when we were children. Uh, We didn't go to school and get told that if we were a girl, it was okay to be a boy and vice versa, and we could change our names and not tell our parents that wasn't around when we were at school. So if it wasn't around when we were at school and it's around now, my question then to parents would be, are our kids' mental health um, stats better now or worse? And that's really, I think, really a key a key question. So um, if you are questioning what's going on or if you're really worried and you're a bit overwhelmed by it all or you have no one to talk to, um, some websites that I recommend is go to familyfirst.nz. They have great resources where they've um, distilled down the documents. Agreed. Uh, resistgendereducation.nz is a very good one as well. Uh, they actually just and subscribed to their emails and the email that just came out um, this week had some actions that you could take as far as writing letters to the school. Um, go to the Ministry of Education website, which is education.gov.nz and read the documents that they are putting together on all this ideology. And if you're thinking of talking to your board, um, go to the School Trustees Association website which is nzsta.org.nz and read up about the board's responsibilities for the welfare of the students at the school. What if, Penny, people are listening and they're thinking, well, how can I make a difference? Or probably more likely, I want to make a difference, but I'm actually nervous about getting attacked by other parents. 
So um, my, my advice around that would be to find a quorum of parents at your school that already are talking the kind of same language as you. Um, you'll get a feel for it. I, I've been told that my video was shared not just on kind of freedom-friendly websites, but that it, it's been shared on school chat groups and um, all the feedback that I've heard has been excellent. Um, people are really worried and they're finally glad that someone said what they're all thinking. So um, I would find others around you, even if it's only a few of you. And what I would actually do is um, talk amongst yourselves and find someone in the group who might be the spokesperson. And then you might have someone in the group that could be the writer that could write the speech and work as a team. Um, and I've actually been talking to friends of mine who do voice coaching uh, because actually the biggest feedback that we've had is that people don't know how to speak clearly and they thought that I spoke really well. I actually mumbled and fumbled my way through it quite a bit because I don't like reading off paper, but um, if that's the hardest thing, um, we can run some meetings online and actually do some coaching. So I would really encourage people to contact me at uh, penny at voicemedia.nz and we can arrange that. We're connecting parents together. Um, I'm setting up an email and um, some services to help. So I'd really love to hear from parents because it's actually about helping you to equip you with the skills and the tools to, to find your voice. And if you're nervous, um, I would say feel the nervous and do it anyway. We've talked uh, with a few people also about um, the challenge of the psychological trauma that even people our age have of um, the, the, the barrier to turn up to school, the barrier to go into the principal's office and the barrier around standing in front of a group of people. Like there's psychological trauma around that from being naughty and getting dragged into the principal's office. So actually acknowledging that like acknowledging why I'm afraid and, and, and actually working through your trauma on that um, for your kids' sake is really important. Kids are, kids are not as happy at school today as we were when we were children. So if we feel like that still, I don't know what's going on in schools today to make kids feel unsafe, but we need to address it. Awesome, Penny. Thank you so much. And congratulations. I mean, you with your courage, you are in doing so encouraging other people to step up and to speak up and to give them a path to do that. So you guys, if you want help with that, get in touch with Penny. And Penny, thank you so much for sharing this with us here on Reality Check Radio. Thank you very much. And if anyone wants to see it, they can go to voicemedia.nz. Thank you. Thanks, Penny. Thank you to Penny for chatting with me again. This is obviously a huge issue for a lot of people. Uh, but it does go to show you the power of the people. In Canada, where I'm originally from, um, there was an area, I think it might have been New Brunswick, where um, of the 90,000 kids in the schools in that area, 40,000 of them actually stayed home. And as a result, straight away, the school changed the way that they were approaching this in their schools because basically um, numbers talk. So that was interesting. You can find out more uh, about Penny, but also about this issue. You can look at voicemedia.nz. You can contact Penny, penny at voicemedia.nz. Um, and just stay informed. That's the main thing. You can make your own decision. I'm not telling you what to do. All I'm saying is get the knowledge, ask the questions. If you think this isn't possibly happening at my kid's school, well, maybe it's time to approach either the teacher or the principal and ask them, are they outsourcing? Are they having a different company come in? Um, what is going on? And just basically stay informed. Um, speaking of topics that are quite um, emotive, I did a very powerful interview 
um, with Gloria Masters this week. We're going to air it next week. Next week, I'm doing the topic of empowered families. And she said to me, Nat, thank you for having the courage to approach this topic when every other mainstream media um, or media outlet has turned me down. And the topic we're talking about is child sex trafficking. And so I'm going to um, play that next week. I might play a little um, a little sneak peek of that later on in the show today. At the very end, I sometimes do that. And um, these there's so many issues going on in the world that we want to be not disheartened about, but we want to be informed so we can be empowered, so we can change the way that that things are happening in the world. And that's really what this is all about. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And today in this next interview, we're going to be talking about unconventional aligned living with my beautiful friend, Melaine Lee Butler. She is the alignment queen. She's a master coach, human design expert, and mama. Welcome to the show, Melaine. Uh, Nat, thanks for having me. I'm super excited about today and speaking some truths that may be a little triggering, but my hope is that it invites you to get a little curious and ask some questions that maybe you're not asking just yet. I am so excited. I love to help people in, um, understand themselves and others better. And that's what we're going to dive into. If you guys don't know Melaine, she is known as the Alignment Queen. She's been a master coach, alignment coach for female entrepreneurs and leaders for the past eight years. Melaine supports you in being able to connect, understand, and align to your unique human design to thrive in business, motherhood, and life. Her motto is, when you align, you thrive. She also shares in her teachings that if you hate the struggle, you're going to love alignment. Ooh, can't wait to dive in. <laughs> so <Amen. we> cho- <laughs> you've chosen unconventional aligned living. Before we dive into that, can you give us a little bit, a little bit of history, a little bit of backstory for yourself? Like, how did you get to where you are now? Um, how long do we have? <laughs> Just give us like the two minute version. Yeah, I'm going to give you the two minute version. So. Eight years ago, I was fired from my job as an executive in a life coaching company. I thought that that was everything that I ever wanted. It was the combination of all of my skill sets really coming together and allowing me to shine. And I felt like I made it. I was living in Manhattan. I had an amazing apartment. I felt like I made it. The only piece that was missing was having the love of my life come in, which felt like it was really a struggle to find that perfect person, especially in Manhattan. And I got fired February of 2015. And I knew it was coming. I actually had this like this premonition that it was happening. And I said to one of my colleagues, I'm going to get fired. She said, how you, you create so many results for this business. Why would you get fired? I have no idea. I just have this knowing that I'm going to be fired. And perhaps it's not my aligned path to be here anymore. And so I was. And instead of getting angry and upset and yelling at my boss, because they were blaming me for something that wasn't actually my fault. And when we get into talking a little bit about human design today, it makes sense as I know my design more now. I understand, oh, that's totally aligned with the way I've been created. And I got blamed for things that weren't my fault, but I just accepted it. And thanked him. I was like, thank you for this opportunity to allow me to go out there and actually do what I came on earth to do. 
and be my own boss. I had always wanted to do that. And it was just an opportunity for me to immediately step into who I really wanted to be. And so the moment I walked out of that office, I made a pact with myself and I said, Melaine, you will never work for anyone ever again. (laughs) Do whatever it takes to create the success. And I was willing to go to any lengths, obviously with an ethical and moral reason, to create my success. And eight years later, I can say I've worked with hundreds of people, have made millions of dollars, traveled the world, met my husband, had children, everything came together, but it wasn't in the conventional way I expected it to happen. Oh, that is so good. And I love that we're talking about the aligned path because I do believe now more than ever, people are seeking to understand themselves better and also to understand others better. Um, And also, you know, that's interesting about sometimes the door closes, you know, like the door closed, they let you were fired. Sometimes we close the door. Sometimes we go, you know what, enough is enough, or I'm done with this. So this doesn't light me up anymore. Um, So I'm just excited for people to listen to this and to think about their own lives and to question whether they are on their own aligned path. And maybe it's time to close the door if no one's closing it for you. (laughs) Totally. I think that, you know, maybe, maybe the missed opportunity that could have happened back in 2021 when people were being forced to make a decision on whether or not to be to be jabbed and instead of blaming or yelling or getting angry at someone outside of you, the opportunity could have been, well, maybe I don't actually like my job. Maybe the opportunity is to start my own business. Maybe the opportunity is to birth my new creation. And that could have been a missed moment. And maybe you just decided to get jabbed and then keep going on your merry way. But I believe that these opportunities keep coming into our life if we're not on the path that's aligned for us. And it's like, Did I miss the bus? No, you didn't miss the bus. The bus comes every 15 minutes, (laughs) (laughs) but you don't want to get hit by the bus. So start paying attention to when the bus is arriving and whether or not the station that you're at is the one you want to continue to be on. I love it. Rather than just standing there with your earbuds in and you didn't even notice that the bus already went past. (laughs) Yeah, And then just blaming and yelling at some external person, place or thing, government. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. Look at it as an opportunity. How can we, because we're going to dive into human design a little bit. Yeah. Some pe- my, my audience, a lot of my audience knows that I love human design. I mentioned it in a few shows, but we've never really dived in. So um, what, like, what is, we're talking about aligned living. Let's start there. What does aligned living, living even look like? What does it mean? Yeah, this is a great question. I think that, especially in the personal development world, alignment, there's a lot of like hot catchphrases that get thrown around, align, align, alignment. And for me, what alignment means is following your truth, listening to what your inner voice is guiding you to do. And I always say that there's a thousand ways to create success, but there's only one aligned way that feels super harmonious for you. And the kind of the the trick or the game or the challenge may be not falling prey to these shiny objects outside of you that tell you that you're going to get there faster if you do it this step-by-step way or this formulaic way. And I say that with a little bit of a chuckle because that's something that I fell prey to for so many years. It doesn't really feel good. I don't really like doing it, but so-and-so made a lot of money, so let me try it. And what I realized at the end of the day that 
money, success, all the things you desire come as a byproduct of when you're living your truth and what feels good for you. And I happen to call that alignment and human design as a modality. It's really cool because it shows us what's under the hood. It shows us what's going on in your unconscious, what might be ruling you and blocking you, your blind spots, if you will, from having and living in that aligned life. Yeah, because a lot of motivational advice or coachy advice is very generic, you know, and I think once people understand their energy type, their human design type, then they can see more easily how to live in alignment. So let's go there. Let's go like, okay, so what are these human design types? How do I know what I am? And then how do I live more in alignment? I know we only have a certain amount of time, but whatever you want, wherever you want to go with that. Where do you want to go? As much as you can. So there's five different energy types, you guys. And to understand human design, to just backtrack a little bit, it's basically the science of your energetic blueprint. So each of you is born with an energy blueprint that's as specific as your thumbprint. And so there's five energy types that you'll fall into. And then within that, it goes deeper. Then there's your profile, your gates and channels, and a bunch of other nuances going on in your specific design. So yeah, you may be, there's five energy types, generator, manifesting generator, projector, reflector, manifester. And let's say you're a generator and, you know, around 30% of the planet are generators. And you might say, well, I don't feel like a general person. I don't feel like I mesh with all these people. Well, that's great because within your design, it gets more specific. So it's not, it's just that your energy type, the way your aura is always working with the universe is more general as the generator. But then as we get specific in your design, we can understand, oh, this is why she keeps sabotaging because she has a one line in her profile. So she's going to question everything. She's going to investigate everything, which is a great attribute, but as a downfall can be something that stops you from listening to your intuition because you're always waiting for more intel or you're not ready yet because you need to know more. And so when we understand that, we can say, oh, I, we now bring it to our awareness and we no longer allow it to run our life, but we can harness it and gain personal power. So one of the things you're saying there is not everyone is designed to make decisions based on like pros and cons lists. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. So there's the five different energy types. That's how your aura works, your energy field. And then within that, each energy type has a strategy, a way in which they best work with the universe. And then each energy type further has, or each person has an inner authority, which is how their unique in intuition, and I like to say connection to God, works. So I find it funny when people say, well, I'm very intuitive. And I say, it's great. You are special for sure, but everyone is actually special. Everyone has an intuition. It's just that not everyone is flexing the muscle of their intuition. So some people's muscle has atrophied. Just like if I haven't gone to the gym and worked out my physical muscles, they would be a lot smaller than someone that goes to CrossFit every day. And so in order to build that intuition and flex that muscle, when you know your inner authority, and by the way, if you don't know your human design, you can simply get your body graph at bodygraph.com or just type in the Google search bar, human design body graph, and then you'll see your energy type, your inner authority, your profile, et cetera. 
And that inner authority is is one of the biggest pieces to really understanding yourself because it teaches you how you uniquely make decisions. So for me and Nat, I'm a sacral authority, which means, and so she, which means we make decisions based on our gut intuition. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> and our and we're all, we're also, if anyone wants us to be on their poker team, immediately say no. Kick us out of the place because we don't have poker faces. You'll know exactly how we think or what we think and how we feel based on our expression and how our body is moving, not moving, how we're positioning ourselves. We're very expressive with our physical features. My boss, the one that fired me, (laughs) (laughs) during our meetings, he would present these ideas. And he'd say, Malene, what do you think? Oh, I think it's an amazing idea. He said, well, you may want to tell your face that. That's what he used to say. (laughs) And this is before I knew I was a sacral authority. So I used to always make it wrong that I was very expressive, that my, oh, I should hide how I'm feeling. I should hide what I think because I want them to all like me, right? And so my father used to always say, you're so impulsive. You make decisions so quickly, but that's the nature of the sacral authority. And then, you know, when we take it further, the profile has different energy going on in that, different lines. For me, I have a, I'm a three, five, just like Nat. We have very similar profiles. No wonder we get along so well. Um, And the three energy is all about learning through trial and error, learning through mistakes. And my parents had different profiles. They more, they had one line energy going on. And so they're constantly shaking their head at me. Here she is making another mistake, being a naughty girl. When will she get it? But that's how I learn. That's how I grow. So I was never embraced. I was always made wrong. And then what happens is the opposite. You overcorrect and try to be perfect, please everyone, and are wildly out of alignment. So if I lost you, because I'm getting detailed into a lot of things, I think the the main thing to understand and to start with is just learning your energy type. Mm -hmm. Because we as a society have these one size fits all. And we know even, you know, in in the health industry, one size fits all medicine is not going to fit everyone. You know, not everyone can drink, you know, cow's milk. For everyone, cow's milk might not be the thing. Some people like coconut milk. Some people are allergic to coconut milk. So it's the same thing in every aspect of life. And human design, especially when you start to understand yours, allows you to understand and harness your own power and not fall prey to these one-step modalities or these formulaic ways. And you're going to feel, you guys, as we go through into this newer paradigm which human design says kicks off in 2027, you're going to feel shifts happening. You're already seeing it happen in society where people, my body, my choice. No, I don't care. I'm going to give my power over. I want my, like there's these dueling opinions, very black and white. Um, And I think the opportunity is to go inward. And that's how human design can support you in really activating your personal power and understanding how you uniquely work. You know, one of the things I love, I always say, you know, it helps us to understand each other better, yeah. judge judge ourselves and others less and love ourselves and others more. And especially for those of us, those of us listening that are parents, and I did two weeks in a row, so probably five different interviews on the topic of keeping kids safe. I love talking about kids. Um, 
But as a, as a parent and a parenting author, one of the things I'm like, what, number one, why did I not learn about human design earlier? And thank you, Melaine. I learned about it through you. And I'm just like so excited about it, but it helps us to treat our children equal, but not the same. So how can understanding your child's or your partner's human design type bent, like strengthen your relationship? Oh, it's so delicious. I think the first thing to understand is their energy type because each energy type is wildly different. So generators and manifesting generators are 70% of the population. So if we think about that, most things have been made geared towards the bigger percentage of the population, many gens and gents, because they've probably been made by manifesting generators and generators because there's more of them on the planet. And so then if you have a projector child or a manifester child or a reflector child, they're going to be forced to fit into those ways. And the biggest deconditioning for all of them is to understand they're not built to run like an energizer bunny 24-7. And manifesting generators and generators have unbounding energy, which means that if you have generator or manifesting generator children and it's a rainy day, they're not naughty because they're bouncing off the walls. It's because they haven't been able to actually get their energy out. They're not naughty or bad or wrong. But, and then you might say, yes, but my child is very shy at school. My child doesn't, is socially awkward. Should we diagnose them? Should we give them medicine? And I say, well, no, maybe look at their design first. Mm-hmm. My boys, all of them, I have three boys Earthside, my stepson, Cameron, my son, Jack, and my son, Liam, two, four generators, all three of them, two, four, two, four. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a rowdy house. Very rowdy. Everyone's a generator except for my husband. So he's, you know, wildly exhausted at times because he needs to pull away from our energizer bunny. Go, 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 go. He needs to rest and also take his solitude time. But more so from knowing that he has a two in his profile and all my boys, two, four, two, four, two, four. And you're like, this means nothing to me. I don't understand. When you look up your chart, if any of your family members have two in their energy, in their profile, whether in the beginning or the end, two, four, six, two, et cetera, it means that they have what human design calls the hermit within them. And they need solitude alone time. They need to take breaks. Why is this important and why do we care? Because most parents pick their children up. And then the first thing they do is stick their face into their child's face and go, how was your day? What did you do? Tell me about your day. And when their child's eyes are really wide and glazed over, are you okay? Are you not feeling good? Should we go to the doctor? What are you feeling? Is your ear hurting? Is your tooth hurting? What's going on? Oh, you must be mad at me. Are you mad at me? Why are you mad at me? Why are you not talking? And then their child lashes out or has a tantrum or gets really upset or gets really angry or gets offended. When actually with the twos, they've been stimulated all day. They're like, please take me home. I need a nap. I need to break away. I need my alone time. And if your child is a projector and has a two, even more so. Or if your child's a projector, even more so. If your child's a reflector, even more so. Mm. And so just knowing like that little piece about my boys, when I pick them up, I go, I'm so happy to see you. Let's go home, get you a snack, and you can take a break. And they say, thanks. And a few hours later, they'll say, mom, can I tell you what I did at school? And I said, I'd love to hear what happened at school. So I let them come to me instead of me 
going after them and then making them feel wrong for not wanting to provide the answers that I want in that moment because I'm a different design. So it's it's wildly supported me in parenting and understanding my kids. And, and I also learn a lot about the designs from them too. I love that. I think that's so helpful for parents. And when they do understand the human design type specifically, I mean, you've got three that are all the same. Yeah. So I've got two projectors and a Manny Jenny children. Yeah. Um, and it would be so easy to judge them and go like, wait a minute, why does he never want to do anything? You know, yeah. why is he just like lazy and just chilling around the house? Well, he's a projector and he's just happy to chill. He doesn't need to do a thousand different things like the Manny Jenny. So it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And like, and the eating styles would be different in your house. You know, the projectors might snack and, you know, throughout the day, but smaller little bite size, whereas the Manny Gen might have bigger meals throughout the day, snacking set, or just be permanently a fixture in the cupboard, you know, because they need more food because they're burning it so fast. Whereas the projector needs more food to maintain, sustain their energy. So it's about eating really nourishing food And then I hear the parents saying, well, everyone should eat nourishing food. And that's correct. But for manifesting generators, they can get away with a little processed here and there because they have so much energy that they're burning it constantly. Whereas a projector isn't burning it constantly. They're using it for energy. So it needs to really be the right kind of food for their system. It's interesting because projectors, I always kind of describe as like, there are sensitives in society. And I don't mean other people aren't sensitive and other people aren't empathic, but they tend to be more susceptible to, correct me if I'm wrong, like the environment, meaning if you have mold in your house, they're the one that's going to get sick. If you're at a rock concert or going to the mall, they're the one that's going to be exhausted. If you're a grown up and you've got a conference and maybe even if you're presenting at the conference, block out your calendar the next day to give yourself recovery time. I think once people realize the difference, they can then, I guess this is the idea, realize your type and then live your life so that it serves you. Like block out the day because you know you're a projector, you know you need recovery time. Whereas the generator is like, go I can just keep going. I can do meetings the day after totally. a conference. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And and for projectors, I mean, more so even reflectors, right? But let's take it even a step further. You're like, well, why is this happening? When you look at your chart, your design, when you pull that body graph up, you're going to see either colored in blocks, energy centers, or white. And the more you have white, even if you're a generator, you're going to feel more of the effects from the external world. You're going to be taking that on. So reflectors have all open energy centers. And then, but other energy types could have open energy centers. Like for me, I only have three defined centers, which means that I am actually taking a lot of the external world in. So I need to be mindful that if I'm exhausted, it's something outside of me that I'm taking on. It's not something being produced within me. Whereas a projector or a reflector or a manifester, they're the kind of beings that will get tired faster because they don't have the sustainable energy like the manifesting generator and generator. So it's like there's, there's a lot of overlap in human design. Someone might have a two line in their profile and needs solitude and alone time and rest. A projector needs that period. You know, so there's a little bit of, there's some commonalities. And that's why when you understand your unique design, you understand that literally it's like as specific as your thumbprint. 
No one has been designed exact. I said, Natalie and I have similar designs, but it's not exactly the same. There might be different gates and channels going on. And by the way, the coolest thing about all of this is that for you guys that love fact and proof is that this has all been backed by DNA testing and different uh, ancient studies, quantum physics, et cetera. So it's a really great way to start to understand, like Natalie said, who you are to claim your personal power and not let circumstances have the power over you. And also to respect, you don't have to love everyone, or I'm sorry, you don't have to like everyone, but you can love them. You can respect them for who they are. You don't have to like them. And you can respect the fact that people just aren't designed exactly the way you were. You know, it's funny. I remember before I learned about human design, I used to say, well, some of my friends who, you know, I would call them, like, I would judge them. I would say, oh, she's a canceler. Oh, she always cancels. Now it's like when they cancel, I'm like, oh, she's a manifesting generator. Totally makes sense. Right. Cause give them permission to quit, cancel and recommit. Yeah, totally. Oh, well, and manifesting generators get like, you're flaky, you're flaky, you're flaky, you're non-committal. I have seen so many manifesting generators as adults get diagnosed and start taking medicine for mm-hmm. ADHD. So many, this comes up often. Now I'm not a healthcare provider, so I can't speak on that. But what I can just say is it's interesting. If you had known as a child that you were a manifesting generator and understood the way your energy type works, maybe you wouldn't be at the point where now you need to take medicine or maybe the diagnosis wouldn't even be a thing. I love that. And I think also, you know, I know you were on a podcast the other week and you were talking about jab injuries. And and one of the things I was wondering is like, it would be interesting to know if there's a correlation between those that were jab injured um, and being a projector as they are are more, they're the more sensitives. They're the ones that are more affected by the environment, by chemicals, by things like that. So, I mean, Hey, if anyone's out there listening and and you're a, you you feel like you're jab injured, I would love to, we can look up your human design and I'd love to know if you're a projector. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think projector reflector reflectors soup, even more sensitive to a, a projector. I'd, I'd go on a limb and say, likely if it's a jab injured person, they're probably falling into that category, which would then be comprised of around, you know, between 20 and 30% of the population, which kind of makes sense. Cause I feel like that's where the percentage of the jab injured are. Now, again, if you're continuing to jab yourself again and again and again, and getting booster, 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 cause you know, you can never be too safe. Um, no matter what design you are, if you're over- overloading your system with chemicals, then that could that could be what happened. It'll be interesting. I I was just saying to Natalie that someone in my family has recently become jab injured. So I will be curious to pull their chart up and see what's going on. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think a lot more people are actually, because people go, oh, jab injured, what's that mean? I must be having a heart attack or like visible reactions. But there's so many underlying injuries that we are told are the norm and it's okay. Don't worry about it. It happens to everyone. And uh, some a distinction that I make with my clients really early on is average is not normal. Just because it happens to everyone 
does not mean it's normal. It means it's average and they have sold it to you as though it's normal so that you don't question and you just shut up, sit down and behave. And so I would say a lot of people are jab injured walking around, not even knowing it, you know, having nut allergies, egg allergies. Those are reactions to vaccinations that are curated in Petri dishes with that kind of stuff on it. Also, I just found out too, more recently that antibiotics can cause that as well. So an, too, mu- too many antibiotics early on, which, you know, a lot of the healthcare industry is very happy to just prescribe. And so you build this resistance and then can in turn get egg and nut allergies as well. And we see this rise, like, I don't know about you, but in the eighties, nineties, I knew no, none of my, there was no such thing in our school or lunch that you couldn't bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because someone might drop dead from touching the nut. But now that's a thing. Yeah. You know, this brings up some things for me because, um, as most of my audience knows, or some of them do, my son has alopecia. So he's 14. He lost his (laughs) hair over a period of two months when he was seven, just totally fell out and body hair, eyebrows, all the things slowly starting to come back very, if I get the lighting right, I can, I get excited because I can see a little bit of eyebrow, but, um, he started taking like protein powder and adrenal stuff. But my point is one of my friends said to me, this is during the COVID craziness. She said, you know, that alopecia is a side effect of the flu jab, right? I was like, Oh God. I said, because guess what? As a youngster, he got tons of ear infections. I didn't know about essential oils, which everyone knows I'm obsessed with now. So it was antibiotics left, right, and center for him. So I rang up the doctor. I said, Hey, can you let me know which vaccinations he's had just so I can get the full report because we moved from Christchurch to Auckland after the earthquake. And not only did I get him the flu jab when he was, it was six months before he went bald, just so you know. But when I ran the report, he got double dose of the MMR when he was 12 months old because I obviously took him twice or something. He got double dose of the measles, mumps, and rubella when he... Now, my husband would think, Nat, that's not a thing. Like, it's not that. But I'm like, maybe it's mother guilt. I don't know. But I'm like, this is this is weird to me. You know, so I feel like he had extra amount of metals in his high, you know, metals in it, toxins in his system, plus all the antibiotics he was on. Yeah. Um, maybe made him more susceptible. But here's the cool thing. He's actually not a projector. He's a manifesting generator. Yeah. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. Help all the people. And superpower, being present, grounded and spontaneous and fun like a child. Yeah. If there was anyone in my family to go bald and not really worry about it, it's him. Like yeah. he just is who he is and he's taken yeah. it in his stride like an absolute champ. However, as a mother, I still am like curious and hopeful that it will grow back. But part of that is like, is it kind of my fault? Yeah, no, I could understand the guilt that you take on. And, and I think what's really beautiful about human design is that a lot of forgiveness can come from understanding that Jonah is also a three, five in his profile, which same is the me. Great, same as you. Yeah. And that three energy really is all about trial and error and the Phoenix from the ashes rising up again. Resiliency strength is built through life experience. So his, regardless of the dynamics that unfolded, his soul was always going to choose a path that was a little bit more challenging so that he can continue to rise up. And I'd say He'll make a great entrepreneur or business owner or something, a leader in the future. And when people have issues or problems, they'll be like, come on, guys, let's let's find, let's solve this. Let's figure it out. Like, we got this. We can do this. And he won't let 
you know, the little things rock him, but I, but I can totally understand the, the guilt or the shame for feeling that. And you didn't know, like when we know better, we do better when now, you know, so now you would never, but back then, you know, you didn't know. And I think my whole motto in life is question everything, Mm -hmm. like question everything, just be curious. And at school, they ask even, you know, my, my kids are a lot younger than Nets and my three-year-old at kindy, they said, so what do you want him to learn? Like, what, what are your goals and what are your goals for Liam? And I'm like, well, he's three. Um, but I always say to the teachers, my goals are to have curious, independent learners and thinkers that look at the world with awe and wonder and are just questioning everything and really going inward for their own answers. And they were like, wow, that's so great. And I said, yeah, because I don't want my kids, for me, if my kids just listening to instructions all the live long day, I feel like I failed them. I want them to question everything. I don't want them to just take things at face value, whether it's coming from me or a teacher or someone else. I want them to question everything. And my Son Jack just started primary school at a more Montessori-based school. So it's all child-led learning. And he's thriving. And they were laughing, telling me the other day that when he first started, he was just, he was like, nope, 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 I'm not doing it that way. Nope, not doing it that way. And just questioning and kind of pushing the boundaries and seeing what felt good for him. And I was, thank you. I'm so happy that that's how he is. Because I don't want my kids to just fall in line. I want them to question it. So when my kids say, mommy, is that, you know, is Jupiter a planet? And I'm like, is it? I don't know. You tell me. Tell me what you've learned. I don't know. Mm. Is it? Oh, is the earth round? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just curious. Every question they bring to me, I never give them an answer. I always make them think about it. Get curious about it. And I love that. And questioning things from a place of curiosity, not yeah. a place of fear, like, oh right. no, what if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah. But from a place of curiosity, totally different energy. Hey, Melaine, I'm going to go to the four questions that I ask everybody. Cool. Number one, um, what is one time in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? Uh, many times. I feel like the beginning of this year has a big been a big initiation of upping my brave. I woke up on January 1st and I just didn't feel good in my body. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel jazzed about life. And so I decided to up my brave by taking on a 75-day challenge to change the way I lived. And from that experience, I've released over 44 pounds. My business exploded. So much goodness came. But that moment was really a initiation of upping my brave. Nice. Amazing. Um, yay. That's awesome. I I love it when we realize, you know, this life isn't feeling great and we take empowered action. So that's exactly what you did. Yeah. Uh, The bucket list. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly the up your brave reality check radio audience can help you with? Mm, Well, um, what is my, Hmm. I think the one thing that I would love, love, love is to be able to impact millions of people with my message around human design and really supporting them and in 
understanding who they are so that they can understand their neighbor and their partner and their children better. So I feel like when we release judgment, like you were saying earlier, the world just gets to be a better place. So it's not about like saving the world, but I would really love to have that impact and create a movement in my Lines Living community. So speaking on bigger stages would is something that I'd love to do. Awesome. I'll write it down. We'll see what we'll see what arises. And see what well, happens. <laughs> talk to me in a few months. <laughs> the next question is what is coming up for you? So mm. either life or business, and how can people connect? So what's coming up for me, I have Profile Power that is out currently and it kicks off in a couple of weeks. And Profile Power is an amazing 12-week deep dive into your unique profiles. And I think it's a great place to start at learning your human design. It supports you in understanding where your blocks are, how your subconscious is working, how to effectively communicate with other people, how to understand your children, how to reclaim personal power. And I'm going to be doing all of that while traveling to the States with my family for a month. Of course you are because you're a generator and that's how you roll. (laughs) And that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How can people, that sounds amazing. And um, how can people find that? And also how can they connect with you? I know you're on Instagram, probably Facebook. Yeah. Every, every handle Instagram, Facebook is Melanely Butler. You can find me. And in my Instagram profile, you can click on it and are all the links to everything in my world. So I would say that's probably the best place to go. Come follow me on Instagram, Melanie Lee Butler. Go to my profile and you'll see all my goodies, the different memberships and courses that I have. And I'm just going to spell it because we are a radio show, M-A-L-A-I-N-E from Malane. And they yes. can find the right. Lee. L-E-A-H. Got it. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Hey, before we wrap things up on our little talk here about unconventional aligned living, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Uh, I would just say, you guys. Follow your, follow your heart. Listen, go inward. Stop listening to what other people are telling you to do and just start listening more to what it is you really want to do. I love it. I love it. And I think that's really important. And you talked a bit today about that, that sovereignty piece. And now it's trusting yourself and, and trusting your, your gut. So thank you so much, Melaine, for joining us today. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Nat. Amazing. And thanks everyone for listening. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Oh, it's always so great uh, chatting with Melaine. We've been friends for, I don't know, maybe seven years or so. She's from New York. I'm from Canada. We totally vibe. Uh, But one of the things I love about Melaine is she's always uh, willing to look back and reflect and learn. And I think that's really the theme of today, you know, of um, self-discovery, the power of self-discovery. And like everyone, you know, Melaine's been through some trials and tribulations, and I'm sure all of our listeners, I'm sure you have as well. But if we can look at those experiences, and instead of having feelings like regret or guilt, if we can be empowered and, and really seek out the learnings and then move forward uh, in in an empowered way, that's really what I'm hoping for. Uh, we talked about so many interesting things here, and human design is something I'm absolutely in love with. I really credit Melaine for helping me to fall back in love with it and and add integrating it into my business and my life as well. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that in the in future episodes as well. Melaine talked about her upcoming program, which is called Profile Power. You can learn about that and you can learn about more of what she's up to on MelaineLeeButler.com. 
And I'm going to spell it for you. It's a little tricky. Malane, which is M-A-L-A-I-N-E, Lee Butler, but it's actually Leah, L-E-A-H, butler.com. And also you can find her on Instagram, Malane Lee Butler on Instagram. And you can also find her on my new recommended page. If you go to upyourbrave.com slash recommended, what I've done is featured and made it try to make it easy for my for my audience my listeners my followers um to find other people that can empower them to up their brave because of course I'm a visibility and impact coach um I help people with wellness and and speaking their truth but um there's so many other amazing people that do incredible things as well along the lines of parenting relationships wellness fitness personal discovery and more um so you can find that upyourbrave.com you're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler welsh and you're listening to Reality Check Radio. Today, we're talking about self-discovery. We're going to dive deep into that topic now. I'm talking to Matthew Tehuki, and um, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a ride. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Kia ora, Natalie. Kia ora, everybody out there. Lovely to be here. It's so great to have you on the show, and I'm excited to share some of your wisdom with our audience. If For those of you that don't know, am I saying your name right? Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. Matthew. yeah. Thank you. Matthew has over 25 years experience as a Maori language performance teacher. He's an engaging facilitator, dynamic international musician, playwright, storyteller, and a leader amongst his own communities. And if you stay with us at the end of this interview, we're going to play you one of his songs. Um, Matthew, I know you've got more info for people on rainbowwarrior.nz, but can you give us a little bit of, of backstory or origin story? How did you get to where you are now? And let us know also how the, how you help people in the area of self-discovery. Kilda. I'd say it was pretty early on in life that I realized that I wanted to make a difference in the world. And then I discovered music pretty early and started learning the guitar for a couple of years and started writing songs. I think the first song I ever wrote was called Hiroshima, which was about that poor Japanese city that got bombed by the nuclear bomb. And ever since then, you know, I was, I've been writing songs and wanting to use art, whether it's theater or kapahaka performance, or whether it's music on stage, or even carving for a while. I really wanted to find ways of getting messages out there to people that I thought were important for people to hear. And then luckily I got sent to a Māori boys boarding school, Hatopolda, by my non-Māori mum. She was the one that pushed for that, and my Māori dad backed her up. God bless them. And that's where I really started finding my voice and finding my strength and finding my power, especially through the Maori culture and haka in particular. And started learning to lift my head and to speak and to spot the gaps when someone needed to speak words of acknowledgement to someone. So I started stepping forward and I was really shy in those days. So I think one thing that I've discovered over the years is sitting with the uncomfortable and taking steps forward, leaning into my edges and doing things that are uncomfortable, either physically uncomfortable or emotionally uncomfortable, getting past those messages in my head saying, you should just stop now or don't do it. You might make a fool of yourself and things like that and making heaps of mistakes along the way as well. I think that's really helped me is 
especially as a shy guy, feeling the impact of mucking up, feeling the impact of forgetting to acknowledge someone when I'm speaking, feeling the impact of not taking that opportunity because I was too shy in any area of life and beating myself up afterwards, not being able to go to sleep. Just all those situations where I was able to grow through discomfort in my life and then just learning to be okay with discomfort. I think that's been a big part of my journey and just taking on more challenges and stepping into leadership as well. I find that when you step into leadership, especially these days, but probably been always like this is you're just so vulnerable and open to all criticism and people expect you to be perfect. So you need to constantly up your game. And another thing that I've done in the last few years, I remember when Facebook came out, I was more interested in looking good and getting the best photo of myself and getting likes and followers and stuff like that. And in the last few years after being annoyed watching other people do that, I was like, okay, how do I need to show up? So in the last few years, I've had a few moments where I really exposed myself for my failures or for my faults or my sins or whatever like that. And just sitting in the discomfort of people's judgment and feeling the impact of that and using that as impetus to take steps forwards as a man to grow and learn and just being okay with that vulnerability. I think there's also been a lot of reading along the way and a lot of going to, I've been to a lot of festivals in the last 10 to 15 years and I like going to sit in front of lots of wise people and workshops and listening to wise musicians and just going for inspiration and figuring out things that I want to learn about and following those paths. Having children and being a grandfather is a great way for me to do, you know, self-discovery and have a good look at my myself and I'm really blessed that I have. I've got grown children now and I've got little children as well and or a little boy and now I've got some little grandchildren and I'm just constantly getting more opportunities to show up as a man and as a father. Um, what else? It's interesting what you were saying, sitting in the comfort of others' judgment. And I feel oh. like that is that is such a huge piece for self-discovery because sometimes people don't take leadership opportunities because, again, they're scared of what people might think if they stuff it up. But you talked about you know, taking opportunities and feeling the impact of mucking up. So, and embracing mistakes. I think that is, and we can always learn more, like we're going to stuff it up, but if we can not just think, oh, that was stupid, but think, what did I learn from that? You know, how would I, so not so much regret, like I feel, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but okay, amazing. What can I learn from what just happened? How can I apply that to the future? Do you feel like most people will do self-discovery or is that something that not everyone seeks out. Um, by the looks of what society's up to at the moment, I think it's not as common as uh, I'd love it to be as far as people having good hard looks at themselves and where they're at and how they might be able to grow. There's a lot of finger pointing going on and it's really hard. One thing I've struggled with in the last few years is I judge, I've found myself judging people that judge me, which is quite hilarious. It's like, mm -hmm. how dare you judge me? And then I start judging them and I have a little chuckle around that. And 
far out is such an out of it experience being a human being. And I think we need to laugh more and more at ourselves. But definitely in regards to um, the mistakes I've made, when I was really shy, the impact used to knock me around and I'd live in shame and it used to really beat me up. But then I've, you know, I've learned that shame and guilt are really low vibrations to operate mm -hmm. in and I don't want to be there and I don't wish it upon anyone else. I do think it's really important to feel the impact of our actions on ourselves and others and sit with it long enough to uh, get the energy to do something about it. Don't try and brush it off, but don't sit in so long that you become depressed and feel so horrible about yourself. You can't do anything about it. I'm really clear I don't want to do that. So I've been trying to find a balance over the last few years of feeling the impact and taking the action, forgiving myself. My latest song is Let's F Up and Self Forgive. Mm. But I actually used the F word in it because we are all going to F up. We're all going to muck up. And let's do it in a way that we know that we can just forgive ourselves at the end once we've done the action to grow and learn from it. It's not brushing it off and saying, let's go out there and make a mess and say it's okay. That's not what I'm saying. Some people might take it that way, and I'm okay with that. You talked about the vibration of those words, you know, guilt and regret. What about forgiveness? Is forgiveness must be a higher vibration emotion? Oh, it's huge and it's underrated. I think people need to, it's important that we as humans can define the difference between forgiving someone and saying that what they did is okay. Uh, and the other thing is once I forgive, I feel better. Yeah, because I'm not carrying whatever I was carrying against somebody. So it's such an important thing for ourselves to forgive. And quite often we feel like we need to hold on to stuff to make the other person learn that they mucked up. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's really important. I remember saying to my mum, mum, I'm doing this training and it's teaching me that people can do stuff and I don't have to get upset about it. And she said, oh, what a cop out. You know, humans think that it's like this thing that we must we must get upset or we must hold things against other people but all we do is is drinking poison hoping someone else gets sick so i'm a big fan of forgiveness but you know i'll forgive people who have so-called wronged me but i'm i'm learning more and more to distance myself from toxic people i forgive you i love you but i don't want to see your face for a while until the way i feel about you has changed so i'm I'm finding a, a good balance in that area as well. Well, and that leads a lot into, um, you know, what we might call boundaries. But in my world, I, I often talk about what are you lovingly letting go of, you know, in your life? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an obligation or responsibility. Maybe it's something you're doing in your business that doesn't bring you joy. But sometimes it's a friendship. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, you know what? I forgive you. Move on. <laughs> I don't want to see your face. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of need for that in the last few years so many friendships and relationships have been knocked around and we've got to find ways of st staying in love with ourselves and with the people in our lives even if we're not getting along anymore you know i did a post on my personal page which always seems to get more traction than my business page but i actually said something along the lines of curious to know um has anyone received any apologies from someone that perhaps gave you pushback or um, in the past few years. 
uh, or insulted you. And most people were like, nope, nope, still waiting. Nope, not yet. You know, that kind of thing. And a few people came in and said, which I love, they were like, do, do you, do, why do we need an apology? You know, mm. maybe it's time to forgive. And I thought, I, I agreed. I asked, I, I, partly I was curious to know, and I was not surprised by people saying, nope, nope, not yet. But I agree. I, I don't think that I don't require, I mean, maybe I desire, <laughs> but I don't require an apology, but I would love some acknowledgement. And I don't mean acknowledgement, acknowledgement that I'm right, but I would love some acknowledgement of what they've learned. Mm. But again, I'm not holding my breath. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, I can't speak for anyone else who's is in those situations. Um, I think it's still not safe for a lot of people. A lot of people don't feel safe to speak out against mainstream narratives, even if it's glaringly obvious to everybody or most people now. And unfortunately, it's not obvious to everybody. Um, yeah, I think it's just people are, want to stay safe. Mm. Yeah, it's about safety as far as I can see. And a lot of people who have been speaking out, they've been okay with being unsafe and being unpopular and unliked and cancelled and all the rest of it. So it's not so scary. Yeah. But some people have been in this little insular safe space and they don't want to blow it. And I can appreciate that fear. I can appreciate that too. I mean, not everyone, you know, I, I guess I sometimes joke that I was born to rock the boat. Well, um, I've always been, I suppose, the green sheep in my family, like most people who are feeling who have spoken up in the past three years or so. But I, I I agree. I think some people aren't even ready to acknowledge their views and that's fine. But I also think some people are staying safe by just not even seeing anything. They can't, it's not that they don't want to admit that they got it wrong. They still don't realize they got it wrong. And I think part of that is a desire for safety as well. You're onto it. I remember even like 15 years ago, I used to go visit my cousin once a week to have lunch. And I was learning all these things, what were going on behind the scenes in the world. And, and she was an open-minded woman. And I'd say, cousin, she goes, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. I'm happy with the way that my world is. I don't want to know what's going on behind the scenes. That'll rock my world too much. So yeah, some people just not ready. Yeah. And again, I guess it comes looping back to the topic of judgment. We don't, we can't judge them for that. And I do have quite an, another, quite an intense interview that I actually did um, with a woman named Gloria. And again, it's like some people don't want to acknowledge what's going on. Some people actually are just super sensitive to it that I don't know if, not to be rude, but some people just can't handle it as much as other people can, the depth of knowledge. Yeah. Um, so, and we just don't want to judge people on that. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I love your self-reflection when you talked at the start about Facebook, you know, when Facebook first came out, you know, you were more concerned with, with looking good and that type of thing. And I think just acknowledging that, and then as we, whatever you want to say, evolve or over time, as we develop, it's less about that. I mean, even for me having my own radio show, if, if I'm honest with myself, if this had happened five or six years ago, it probably would have gone to my head a little bit, but now I'm like, I just feel immense gratitude for being able to shine the light is the words I use on the messages and the wisdom and the knowledge that so many people across New Zealand have 
Um, if you don't know, I'm a, I'm a Canadian Kiwi. And for my listeners, if you don't know, um, 100% genetically Kiwi, fifth generation, but I was born in Canada. I always feel like I have to explain myself like, oh, I'm not from America. I didn't just arrive last week. Um, but I do, I do think there are so many incredible people across New Zealand, so much wisdom to share. And it's a gift for me to be able to talk to them and to get those frequencies and those messages to the world. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like I'm in a privileged position where people are showing up to my concerts and my workshops. And I have this privilege of what I believe is contributing positively to the vibration of our country and of the planet. Yeah. And as I said in the past, it was about, you know, as a young musician, I wanted to get places with my music and be on big stages and fame and glory and all that sort of stuff. And now I've grown to accept and embrace I think my places in the smaller gatherings where people come together as communities and have a feed together and then celebrate they celebrate that someone's actually come to their town and is performing with them and stuff like that so I'm finding my way and I'm really happy with the way things are flowing and I used to want to travel I did a lot of travel as well as a younger man and in the last 10 years I was on the road a lot and that meant a lot to me and I grew a lot through it but now I just want to travel around this country and keep it local and I've got no desire to go overseas at all at the moment it's very I'm very anchored here mm. Mm. Oh. I'd love to know if that resonates with our listeners just what we've been talking about here either talking about forgiveness and judgment we would love to hear your thoughts and also about that ego piece meaning you know what is important to you now which maybe is different than maybe the the you from five years ago. So today we're talking about self-discovery. If you've just joined us, I'm talking to Matthew Tehuki, and you guys can message in if you want to 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio on email. We would love to hear your thoughts and your reflections on this topic. Um, Matthew, you talked about you know, having messages for people. I, I would love to know what message or what do you think that Kiwis really need to hear or need to know at the moment? Um, I would say we got to do our internal work. We've got to clear away the baggage and the clutter and the trauma because that's what's having us react to everybody around us. I think we need to find ways to look after ourselves and ground. So look after our, just look in, and that's your physical body, your, your emotional body, your spiritual body your intellectual body, and just have a good clear out because we're going into such challenging times. We don't want to be dragging anchors and all sorts of heavy things behind us that are going to drag us down. Otherwise, we'll be dragging the people around us down and trying to suck energy from them. So I think that's really important is look in first. Do that work. Be honest. Be brutally honest with yourself. And then once you've done some good work, or maybe while you're doing the good work, is also connect stay connected with the people around you and, and that involves and that includes people you don't like um being loving just be love be kind to yourself and kind to others that's that's actually a phrase that i picked up in the last year from my good friend lana garland who i'm doing this course with is be kind to self and kind to others if we do those two things the planet's in beautiful shape so do the work on yourself, be honest, upgrade, and then gather. Just keep gathering. Because, you know, there was a time in the last few years where we were told not to gather. 
and how was how great was it when we could gather? Let's not make let's not get complacent with the fact that we can gather because you never know when the next line of whatever's going to come down and shut us down for whatever reason. So gather, gather, gather. That's so much energy gets built up when we're gathering with good vibes with some music and some food and some dance and some good energy. So that's that's the main message that I'm I've always been working on is do the work with yourself and then work with some other people. Yeah. Well, well up your brave is definitely about uh community and connections and also courage. For the people listening, and I know people like this, they might be go, I hear you saying do the work. Legit. What do you mean by that? Because some people won't know. So I just want to really spell this out. And how do people go about doing the work? Like, what is the, how do they do that? Some people can do it by themselves. Other people need someone to facilitate or draw things out. Yeah. I think going for a walk is probably one of the best ways to start. Get your shoes off and go walk in nature. I think, and breathe deeply and just get out there in nature whole lot of stuff will come to you in that simple process. But the rest is like uh, get some therapy for trauma, for childhood stuff, or even adult stuff. Do some therapy. I found a book um, that really helped me look at my childhood wounds and my patterns and just really unpacking and unlayering stuff there. And it was quite a messy time to go through it, and I needed support around me because I was looking at, the patterns that were trying to run me as an adult, but they were, they were created when I was a child. So look at your childhood stuff. Um, if you're a man, hang out with men. If you're a man, hang out with men. And don't always do it with a beer in your hand or watching rugby. Do some men stuff. I think it's so important for our men to get around other men and talk, honestly. And there's lots of different initiatives and groups and stuff going on which are one of them i'll talk about after this so yeah and women have been really good at gathering with women forever uh i'd say for the woman dance dance every day mm. that's my advice get you get your amazing bodies moving get joy flowing through your bodies i'm going to take that on board i'm amazing at connecting with women i know so many incredible women um, and I love dancing and I also love singing and I just don't do it. I like walk the dog. I go to my fitness class. I'm going to start dancing. Mm. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the men. I wanted to ask you what, so I've got a topic coming up in the future where we're going to be talking about empowering men. Um, so what other, what other guidance? So get men, get around other men, not always with a beer in your hand. What, what else, what other words of wisdom have you got for the men out there? Well, um can i talk about my course yeah 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 let's do it yeah so um, this is probably one of the questions that you were going to ask which is how the people out there can support what i'm up to and Mm. myself and lana garland have created a course called taneha the confident loving man taneha means breathing man and it's a four-week online course and it's full of these beautiful tools to let go of stuff that hasn't been serving us rebuilding new positive behaviors and patterns and habits in our lives and also how to connect with women how to talk with women how to support women how to be great lovers for women so it goes through all of that stuff in four weeks and this is a course that myself and lana uh, have 
created because we care about men and we want to support men. And it's been a bit of a rough road being men, being yeah. a man for the last, I don't know, how long. And we just really want to lift the brothers up. And it's really great that I'm creating this course with a woman and she's coming with her enthusiasm and her perspectives and her things that she appreciates and loves about men. And we're doing this every four weeks. We're launching the next four-week course tonight. Every two weeks, we're going to take on another four weeks and we just want to build this. We've got men from around the world doing it, men around Aotearoa. And they do a lot of the work by themselves through videos and PDFs, but they also have three calls where they're meeting other men and we're talking about real issues and we discover mm. really quickly that we're all going through similar stuff. So just hearing brothers talk about things. So getting in men's groups is a really important thing that men can do as well. A regular fortnightly gathering of two hours can make a big difference in a man's life and the people around him. I agree. I, I mean, it's so critical. And I think for men, having somebody facilitate the depth of conversation. So it gets past, you know, oh, what do you do for work? And how are the kids? You know, it's it's much deeper. So that sounds amazing, the course. And I mean, I'm going to ask you in a minute, um, how can people connect with you? But can you go ahead and just let us know if someone's listening to this? Because obviously, if you're running it every four weeks, they haven't missed the boat. How can they find out more or sign up for that? I'd say the easiest way would be contact me directly on Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, you can email me, Machu the Hook. Or you can contact me on MachiTheHook at Gmail. Or contact me through my website. That's a nice direct way. And yeah. that is rainbowwarrior.nz. There's a contact page on there. And if you miss this one starting tonight, we've got another one in two weeks' time. And it's just going to go. And we'll just, we have a vision of a giant waka, a big canoe. There's already a bunch of men on the front who have already led the way. We've already had a few intakes of this course. And we just want to grow a great community of brothers who are there. And there's, as I said, there's other great initiatives around Aotearoa and around the planet for men together. It's there if they really want to look. I know um, Mankind Project is about to launch another weekend up in Auckland. So there's heaps out there if you really want to look for it. I think so. I think it is people, I guess, prioritizing that. And also, I'd, I'll say for the women out there, if your man says, you know, he wants to go away and do this man retreat or do this course, like, don't stand in the way, you know, encourage him because it is a big deal for them to even acknowledge that they want to do this thing. Encouraging, empowering our men to get around other men, to be able to have those deeper conversations and realize they're not the only ones feeling a certain way is so powerful. And the ripple effect, the trickle down effect on the family is really exciting, I guess, is the word I'm going to choose. With the Rainbow Warrior, is that two W's? So rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, got two it. Two W's, rainbowwarrior.nz. Yeah, with a couple of few W's at the beginning of it all. So you're a grandfather and a father. We are doing a topic coming up as well, empowering teens. I've done one in the past. I actually did two whole weeks, so six interviews on keeping kids safe. Mm. I'd love any any advice, guidance, wisdom that you have to share around empowering our kids or teenagers? Um, I'd say just spend as much time as you can with them. Yeah, even if it is, like, I remember when I had teenage boys, sometimes I'd have to actually sit on the couch with them with a PlayStation console in my hand, or, you know, controller, and play PlayStation with them, even if I wasn't into it. 
and then we'd start feeling more connected and then we could go outside and kick a ball and then we could go and do other things just investing time with them i find that when they really get that you care about them then they will actually start listening to any advice you might have for them it's not until they know that you care and i found that the best way i could show i cared was by giving them my time which as a parent can be really challenging i'm aware of that and maybe that helps them appreciate it even more if you give it I remember last week hearing the bouncing of a ball and I went outside, my husband's playing basketball with our youngest. And uh, it was just, as a mother, I just like, I love those moments when I see them playing together and I don't go down and join them and try to be one of the gang. I just like, in that moment, I just soak it in, you know, Mm. just, I just love it. I think it's the one-on-one time. I love seeing, you know, a dad spend time with the, we've got three kids. Um, and my husband and my daughter spend tons of time together because they're both triathletes. They're always training and running and swimming and all the things. So I actually love it when I see my boys having dad time mm. doing whatever it might be, whether it's exactly on the gaming or or basketball or whatever. Um, at the moment, it seems to be Rubik's Cube as well for him. <laughs> and for me and my six-year-old, it's play fighting, lots of it. <laughs> and finding boundaries and fighting fear and not giving up and all these sort of things and getting nice and physical and close with each other. It's one of our favorite things to do. Yeah. And yeah. also for us in the house at the moment, it's music. So you'll love this. It's it's drums, it's guitar, it's electric guitar, uh, it's piano. Like, yeah, two of my, both of my boys really into music. And it's, it's amazing to see them exploring that themselves. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. All right. I'm going to take us to the four questions that I ask everybody. Um, So number one is the up your brave question. What is one thing that you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Yeah. Okay. So about this time last year, there was a lot going on for me. I think a lot of the stuff of me speaking out, especially straight after Wellington, where I was down there at the, the protest and that caused a lot of heat for me from lots of different sectors mm. of the country. And then all this other stuff started hitting me and all of a sudden there was this big bushfire around me. A lot, a lot of negative energy and um, pressure coming at me. And I'd been planning a tour around the North Island and the voice inside me was saying, just stay home, man, just stay home and keep yourself safe because it, it was a bit scary to go out there and I just had to pack all my music gear in the car and go to my first gig not knowing who would be waiting for me and what sort of scene would be waiting for me and the first one was okay and then the next one was okay and then it, my confidence grew but the, that first week on the road not knowing who was going to ambush me or what sort of uh, reception I'd be receiving was probably the scariest thing that I've done for a long time especially to be so you're on a stage and mm. you want to share your heart and you, you're not sure what's going to show up. So that I would say would be it. I'd say over the last three years, all this stuff around speaking out against the mainstream narrative, it didn't seem courageous at all. It was just so natural that that's what needed to be done. But this one in particular, I could have stayed home. It was winter. I could have just, huddled up and just had a lovely cruisy couple months at home but no I went on the road and pushed myself and 
I'm so grateful that I did because every time I went into one of those spaces and I saw people come together and happy to see each other and happy to dance and sing, I knew that I was in the right place and I was doing what I was here to do. So I think that's the other thing about when we take these challenging, courageous, brave moves that are really hard to do, usually because of the stories in our head, is we get the huge rewards. And my reward was watching people have joy and mm. unite, and me get to be doing what I'm here to do, which is play music and create community wherever I go. So, And raise the vibration. And raise the vibration. So I think that's the wonderful thing about being brave is there's always a reward on the other side of that fear. I often talk about pushing back the pushback. So when we do speak up or question things, we do get pushback. But pushing back the pushback is not easy. It's not easy. And you've done... You've done that well. Do you feel like it's gotten easier, you know, uh, over the last year, let's say, or the last six months? Is it easier for people to speak up or is it kind of same but different than before? It's tricky now because I know that even I'm all about unity and people getting along. But I know that when we're in the thick of it, I was even I was like pointing fingers and saying, these guys are trying to do some dodgy stuff here, you know, and I was highlighting things that were going on by certain individuals on the planet. And now I'm really aware that whether people got jabbed or not jabbed, that we're all being played by the same powers that be. And we need to unify with the unjabbed and we need to unify with the jabbed. We need to bring everybody together now. So I'm really cautious not to be divisive with my words and with my messages. Still, like one of the first things I say when I start my first song is jabbed or unjabbed, we all stand together now. Because I know that in front of me, there's jabbed and there's unjabbed people. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm having to, I'm choosing to be really careful what sort of messages I put out there. So I'm not speaking out as much as I was in the first few years of this pandemic. Because I don't want to ruffle feathers because I want to bring more and more people into the unifying space without people feeling judged or attacked or unsafe. Yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment. And still encouraging them to stand up and speak out and be courageous. I think that's great. I wrote down choose unity. and, And that is partly what I'm aiming to do too on the show is bring people together and make everyone feel, um, heard and understood to a certain extent. The next question is the bucket list question. Is there anything specific on your bucket list, meaning something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that the Reality Check Radio Up Your Brave community can possibly help you to do? Yeah, and I alluded to it earlier is um, this Taneha Confident Loving Man course is so important to me that I would love it if the people out there could check it out and the woman could find loving ways of encouraging their men to come towards the course and the men could bring in other men Mm. and check it out and and join this course and join this movement because I feel like if we have a country full of solid, strong, unshakable men that aren't going to compromise their integrity, then what happened in the last few years will never happen again. We won't see men wearing masks, pushing their kids towards getting jabbed because they're worried how they're going to look in society. We're going to have warriors Mm. who are protecting and healthy and not just 
drowning their trauma through alcohol or violence or whatever will have strong men taking care of themselves in their communities. So that's the vision. So if you can check out Taneha, the confident, loving man. I love the name of it. You know, it's interesting because I'm, I would describe myself as a confident, courageous, independent woman. However, what do I want most at the moment to be taken care of and to feel protected, Mm. which is exactly, I think what your course is empowering men to do. And they've got it in them. They just need a little reminder that they have the power already within. Mm. And I just want to say how beautiful it is to hear a woman say that, because I know you're a powerful woman and I know a woman are powerful and they have and are taking care of themselves and many others. But I know deep down a lot of women are craving the protector of mm. them around them to step up and make sure no one's going to fuck with them anymore. And it's time, Kiwi mm. men. Yeah. It's time and, and internationally. Um, well, this this leads nicely to my next question, which is what is coming up for you and how can people connect? And I'd love it if you could tell us your Instagram as well, because do you talk about the course or give them a little bit of visuals on what the course is about on Instagram? I believe so. I think, we yes, we have an Instagram page for the course, Taneha, the Confident Loving Man, and there's details on there how to find. We have a site which is connected to the actual course where you can have a really good look at everything that's in the in the program and what we cover and things like that. But actually what's coming up for me in the next near future is I'm going on my North Island tour. It's my Upward Spiral North Island winter tour and it's two months around the North Island where I'm going starting up the east coast the Hawke's Bay I want to go to the places that have been hit by mm-hmm. the weather recently then making my way around the East Cape then Bay of Plenty Coromandel Auckland Northland I want to get around to West Auckland around Piha Moodywai then I'm coming down Waikato Taranaki and this is a really important this is my biggest tour ever, and I want to get as many people into these house concerts and these hall concerts and these workshops. And that's all on my – I just put the dates up onto my website, on the schedule on my website, rainbowwarrior.nz, and I'm also doing lots of posts at the moment through Facebook and Instagram as well. So that's something that I'd love people to check out and come along or send people in mm-hmm. those directions of those gatherings because I, I just love gathering I think gathering is such a beautiful thing that we do as humans, especially when we do it with food and music. Yeah, well, this is audio only. People can't see me smiling, but I I love music. I love the idea. Oh, I love the power and the potential of what that two-month tour can do for New Zealand because we are ready for a big shift. Mm-hmm. We are ready for unity, and music is so powerful to for people to express, like you said about the dancing, to people to express or come together. Um, stop the judgment, all the things we talked about. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you if there's anything else you want to add, but at first I would love to ask you, uh, what is one of your favorite places in New Zealand and why? Ooh. Surprise <sighs> question. Oh, it feels like an unfair question. <laughs> I love the land so much. I'm going to go the Farariki, Farariki Beach down uh, near Cape, I think it's Farewell Spit, at the top of the South Island. Just such a magical coastline. And whenever I'm out there, 
there's hardly anybody there and there's these huge big just it's really grand and it's isolated and then you can go into the bush and disappear and i've seen uh, a white heron out there twice the kōtuku which is such a rare thing to see anywhere apart from where they nest so that's one of my favorite parts of aotearoa but one of the things i love about touring is when i gather with the people at night i say all right i'm around tomorrow morning where's the closest waterfall or stream or beach and they tell me the secret spots mm. so that's one of the beautiful parts of touring is going to the secret spots and parking my car there and manifesting nobody's going to break into it that's another <laughs> exciting part of going on because <laughs> that happens I'm going to ask you in a moment to tell us about the song before we play it. But um, before we do that, is there anything else you would love to share with our listeners today? I love you listeners and thank you for listening. And thank you. If you get anything out of this corridor, out of this talk, um, I'm grateful that you listened. I think uh, I just want to acknowledge it's tough work being a human being. And we've got a lot of deprogramming to do as individuals and as society and uh, but I also want to say we got this. I'm really confident, even though there's all this talk about the next part of the agenda, blah, blah, blah. Mm, and people might think we've got things stacked against us. I, I really believe that humanity's got so much love. Everyone just wants love and peace at the end of the day that I'm really confident that we will get through it if we do the work on ourselves and stay connected. So kia kaha, we got this. We got this. Mm. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, we are going to go to a song. So can you let us know what song we're going to listen to and if there's a little story behind it? So this is my song, Me Maranga. And this is my version of a song by a fella called Brother Is from Hawaii. Really big bro who had a beautiful, sweet voice. And when I first heard the song, it was one of those hauntingly beautiful ones. So I created uh, my own version of it. Memaranga means to rise up, and the chorus is Memaranga Kite Karanga Aotearoa, which means rise up to the core Aotearoa. And I've been singing the song for maybe 15 years, and just in the last couple of years, it really started making sense and really started finding its home. Uh, and this is one that I usually finish my concerts with, and people do some actions, some, some Māori hand actions with us, and we all sing along together. So it feels appropriate to have this finish off this beautiful corridor with you, sister. Sounds amazing. We're gonna we're gonna play the song, and you can listen to it on audio. But if you want to watch the video, so it's on YouTube, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they can look it up there. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Nice talking with you. And everyone, enjoy this song. Rise up, Matthew Tehuki, and thanks for listening. Huge thank you to Matthew, but, and also a huge thank you to my lovely friend, Marihara Annex, who actually connected us. She suggested that I interview Matthew, and she was saying to me afterwards, you know, he was so pivotal down at Wellington uh, with the protests and really keeping that vibe, uh, the vibration um, around that feeling of love and community. And she just said he was so incredible there. I'm going to actually play for you guys. A little clip here, um, very short little video where he's basically took the mic. I know certain pe different people stood up and took the mic at some points as in kind of an MC role or just to um, support people. And I'm just going to play a really brief clip here where he's um, down at Wellington and encouraging people to 
um, give each other a hug. It's really beautiful. Here it is. How's your hug quotes are going? We need some more hugs there. Everybody do have a, have a hug break, please. Get your oxidations up. Say, I love you. Wouldn't it be nice if every time we did that, the police didn't have a hug? So just in that section there, you know, some people at one point were getting a bit riled up because the police were um, pushing back and everything. And, and he was encouraging people to still stay in that vibe of love and, and send them some love as well as love to each other. And that's a lot of what we talked about today. We talked about embracing mistakes, feeling the impact of mucking up, taking opportunities, choosing unity, clearing away the clutter and trauma looking in, you know, taking our shoes off, getting out in nature. And I really think the sound of his program coming up that he seems to be running all the time, this four-week um, online program, Taneha, um, the confident loving man, sounds like it could be absolutely amazing for so many people. So I definitely want to encourage you to check that out when you get a chance. You can do that, rainbowwarrior.nz. Take 
You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And today we're talking about self-discovery. I'm so thrilled to introduce my next guest, Mari McLean. We will be talking about You Are Your Own Guru. Welcome, Mari. Thanks for having me on the show, Natalie. I'm excited to dive in. This is a topic I am not familiar with personally, but I know it's a massive problem in New Zealand and worldwide. We're going to be looking at... um, Looking at your journey and the book that you wrote, um, Mari, 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 if you haven't met her, is an author, speaker, and sobriety coach. She began her career um, as a young business writer at Television New Zealand during the dot-com boom, uh, ferreting up stories in the older male-dominated finance world. And her work hard, play even harder lifestyle led to burnout. I know there's a lot of our audience that can relate to that. She flew the coop, landing in Hong Kong, During its first outbreak of SARS, Marie hightailed it across the border to Canton and fell deeply in love with life in China, where she remained for five and a half years, traveled more than 20 countries with her Danish husband, and later returned to her native New Zealand, speaking Mandarin and Danish. Ooh, I'd love to have some a taste of that, Uh, which didn't get her very far, she says, but desperate for breathtaking summer she spent um, her time on the water. She now actually lives in Waiheke. And it is so good to have you on the show, Mari. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah, so um, the book um, that I've just written is The No Bullshit Guide to Getting Sober. And, um, yeah, you're right. It's a problem in New Zealand with um, one in five adult Kiwis classifying themselves as hazardous drinkers. So, um, yeah, we have a a bit of a problem. Um, But uh, the book goes to, to help those that, that are kind of getting to the point where they're realizing, shit, I might be done with, with drinking, but drinking's not done with me. So that's what I wrote the book for, for people that don't want to go to AA and don't necessarily aren't ready for that step to go into a, a medical center and say, hey, I've got a drinking problem. So, yeah, and I think is is it, so we're going to talk about the book, but we're also obviously going to talk around the wider topic of um, you are your own guru, which I love. And, you know, I'm all about motivation and empowerment. And I think this is an issue in New Zealand. Wow. One in five Kiwis. Okay. Um, before we dive too much into the book and some of the tips that you have for people who want to tackle their own drinking, can you give us, I read a little bit of bio about you, but can you give us a little bit more backstory in terms of how did you come from your background? How did you come to this as being the thing that you wrote about? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Basically, I found myself with my own drinking problem. Um, and actually, I'll just quickly clarify that the, the one in five hazardous drinkers, it, it's not saying one in five Kiwis are alcoholics, okay? So I just want to make it clear, but there's yeah. hazardous drinking is, is that they're binging and they're drinking more than they need to drink. Um, but yeah, so so my story sort of just started off like that, binging um, at university and then... Um, uh, traveling and working hard and playing hard and finding that binging was was drinking every day after work, which is kind of expected in the media and um, journalism. And then uh, moving to Asia and then just continuing to to drink in that expat kind of lifestyle. Like you have your sundowner and you drink and you tend to use drinking to mask being away from friends and family and close um, family connections and that sense of belonging. So it just got to a point one day where I realized, oh, 
I'm not able to not have that five o'clock drink. So I could maybe have it um, stop maybe one day, but I was finding that if I tried to stop and stay stopped, I couldn't stay stopped. So I even stopped, I think, for a for a month. Um, but then I was always always starting again. So yeah, what that sort of set up was when I later had some um or just don't know if it's trauma or just life, but my my brother died um from alcoholism and my dad and then my my husband um left me and that was all in a short space of time. And then that's when I sort of discovered, oh, there's really a problem here because I turned to the bottom to cope with that. Um and so the book is about the the tools that I wish that I'd had when I was getting sober. Um, and so the size of it, a pocket-sized book that fits discreetly in a handbag and no one can see when you open up your bag at work to get your phone out and stuff was what I wished I'd had when I was getting sober. So that's where the book um, came into into being. And, and something when I was kind of trying to go through cravings and urges that would make me laugh out loud where I could pick it up and it wasn't a big serious sermon. It was like, that's really that's really funny and I would want to read it and then I'd want to pick it up and re-engage with it ongoing through that time it took to get sober. So that's that's what it was born out of. Well, that I think that you have experienced quite a bit of trauma, as you mentioned, with your brother and your father, I think it was. Yeah. And did you feel like you could see yourself heading down that path and you made a, a detour? I think, I think what happened... Natalie was when I was at my brother's funeral and I saw my my nephew running after my my brother's coffin and he was 37 when he passed and I looked at my mom and I just went shit you know she doesn't want to lose another another child and I think that was the first time I sort of went shit I really really do have to take a look at this and um yeah, okay, I'm going to have to address it. I don't know how, but I can. I, I did. I could see myself, if I didn't get a handle on it, either being very unhappy or potentially going the same way Stu did. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I imagine there are quite a few listeners out there who can relate to that story, either, you know, somebody else in the coffin or themselves having that moment. It's not an aha moment. It's kind of a like, okay, something's got to give. Like, it's a reality check. It's a reality yep. check moment in their lives when they go, okay, something's got to be done. And I've got a friend who her story is more of a domestic violence marriage story, but she says to me, and in that moment, you know, I was sitting there with the car keys in my hand and my phone and in the other, and I knew I had to go. Right. So, you know, in, in the speaking world, you're a speaker as well. We always talk about, take us to the, take us to the moment. What was the moment that when you realized, and for you, that was the moment, you know, at the funeral, staring at the coffin, watching the nephew chase the coffin and go, yep. In that moment, I knew I had to change. So I guess my point here is um, to our listeners listening, you know, what if some of you might have a moment like that when you knew you had to turn things around in your life, whether it was sobriety or something else that you needed to take a stand for. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. And I guess thank you also for having the courage to not only change your life, but to help change others. I know personally, I've written uh, one, I've written about two or three books or co-authored, Um it's it's quite an undertaking to write a book and to make something that people can, it's an easy read and animated, but also some practical tips, which I would love to dive into today. 
Um, so you talk now about being your own guru. Like, why did you choose that as our topic today? What does that mean to you? Okay, so I think for me, uh, it's about you. You're not going to address your drinking um, because a family member drags you to a alcohol and drug counselor. You're not going to address your drinking because a boss says you're going to be fired if you don't. You're going to address your drinking because you feel that if you don't, um, you're not going to reach your potential or be be the very best mother or the very best person that you can be for yourself. So it's you, it's you that ultimately makes that choice. People can lead you to water, but they can't make you drink and and that's the whole ethos behind it is all I'm doing in my book is presenting my story and I'm presenting a range of tools for you to pick up and try out because what worked for me might not work for you so you decide how your sobriety is going to look you decide how your recovery is going to look but here are the tools that I've found and here's the research that I've used to see um a way forward and so I really don't believe you follow a prescriptive format for um, transformation in your life. You do it. It, it, It's yours. Um, But if you keep taking one step forward, all of a sudden things things have changed and you have transformed. And I think I I like to use the analogy of a of a butter butterfly. Like it doesn't know it's it's breaking out of a shell and turning into a butterfly. It's just incubating and it's just doing what a butterfly does. And I think that's the same. The caterpillar is just eating through the eating through the leaves. It's just taking one step at a time. And then all of a sudden you actually will be on the other side and where you want to go. But it's not um yeah, you, you you've just gotta you've just got to take that first step and the path unfolds as you walk it. It doesn't you can't see the end before you start the process. So that's the bravery that it takes. And, you know, if you have that bravery and can take that that first step, the path will unfold and, and you will become your own guru. You're going to pick and choose from whatever's offered what's going to work for you. And I think don't give that power to anyone else. You've you've got it, you know, and that's that's the key key message. Great, great message and so relatable. Whatever people are going through, for some people it won't be this. Um, I imagine, tragically so, and definitely based on some of the stats, that everybody knows someone who not only, as you said, um, has you know hazardous drinking, but actually is or was an alcoholic. I imagine most people would know someone. Um, and so we can relate in some way, whether we're directly affected or not. I would love it if you could share with us a few of these tips. Um, how can someone who wants to tackle their drinking, like they're kind of ready to make some changes, like you said, we can't lead them to water, but if they're ready, what are some things they can do? Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a few things that they can do. Um, there is, if they, if they immediately want to stop, there's a free guided meditation, um, on my website that is called, you are not your urge that can help you get through those initial stages so whether you've planned to go to an AA meeting or whether you've decided to buy my book to help you whatever it is if if you if you're absolutely intent then there's that meditation that can guide you through those first first few steps until you get into the next stage or gone and booked an an, an alcohol and drug counselor so that's the takeaway free thing that you can just begin 
your journey with. Um, and then there are, there's loads of literature. The Quitlet, Quitlet's exploded. So just to um, reference the forward that was written and my book was written by Lotta Dan, who has got three great Quitlet books of her own. Um, Mrs. D's Going Without, Mrs. D's Going Within and The One O'Clock Myth. So she wrote the forward for my book. And she's just been given a Queen's Honours for her, her service to um, alcoholism and alcoholic um, towards helping alcoholics. So, yeah, so there's there's loads of literature. Um, and then there is peer support, and that doesn't need to be AA if the God word freaks, you know, the living is out of you. Um, there's also the Buddhist Recovery Network, but the beauty of peer support is that you realize you're not doing this on your own. So um that I think is really important because if you if you've tried to tackle it on your own and you haven't had any success to date or just with a counselor, then maybe that's the component that you might be missing. Yeah, exactly. Because some people will have support. Some people will have friends that have been trying to get them to AA for years. Other people just won't have anyone. Like it literally will just come down to them making yeah, the decision. Also- and I think also you, there's a lot of Kiwis. We're pretty much like, don't tell me, don't tell me how to do something you're not doing yourself. So it's kind of like I don't want to hear from someone that doesn't have an alcohol or meth or whatever problem how to handle my problem. But if you go to a peer support group um, where other people have got the same issue and you see examples of that issue being resolved um, and multiple years of having it resolved, then you're actually looking at a a success story. And I think that's the absolute value of peer support is they've been where you're going and they can show you the way that they got there. But again, you're your own guru. You pick your own tools. You do it yourself. And you dedicated the book to your brother. How was that for you? Uh, that's a that's a hard question. I think it... it <laughs> Yeah, I just I just hope that um it's it's not in vain, that his life wasn't in vain, and so that um we have a tool here for people um with their own teenagers or their own family. Um yeah, where they can I just don't want people going that way uh if they don't have to. So, you know, but again that's 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 their own journey. And um my brother he went to rehab a few times, um, but he was never really willing um, to admit the extent of the problem. He always thought he would win, um, and in the end, you know, it, he didn't. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, just just that's what the book's about is is dismantling the wall of denial that you that you don't even think you've got. So it's a tricky problem. So let's just leave it there with that question. <laughs> It is a, it is a tricky problem and I think I mean I'm I'm very not experienced in this area but I my belief or my understanding is that it's one of the many numbing tactics that people will use in life to not deal with whatever is going on so for example some people will over exercise or they will undereat or they will overeat or they will you know whatever whatever it is right sure. so alcohol drugs it, i think it is one of the, one of the numbing tactics now obviously some people will get into it because it's fun and like you said it was part of the work culture yeah so part of the culture in new zealand and of course i grew up in canada i spent my university high school university years in canada so, you know, we would, you know, go to parties and and have keg parties as we do in Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, 
but I, so I don't, I can't speak for the, the Canadian um, alcohol problem because I really have no idea, but I know that it is a big issue here in New Zealand, but part of it is the culture, meaning, mm. you know, you're kind of expected to, you know, take a whole case to a party or whatever, but also in the, so that's like, might be teenagers and youth like students, but also in the work culture, like you mm. said, it was just kind of what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you raise a really good point um, there with Canada as well. And and what um, I've uh, noticed with my research is that um, Commonwealth countries, so it, it's 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 anywhere with that Commonwealth um, culture, the pioneering, like go hard or go home. So what's kind of happened is that culture is permeated right throughout because we're feeling new countries. But, you know, that was how the survivors settled. Like they lived very hard lives and so the drinking and the um out outsmarting and out numbing and outrunning their vulnerability was just a part of like how the hell do I deal with everyday life right but we don't need those same um responses anymore like we can choose to self-soothe um you know we're not going to be sent back to the colonies if we if we don't go home from a party when we've had too much to drink it's it's you know it's not that <laughs> yeah so i mean i understand where it came from but you know it's not it's not today we don't need to live that way if we are ha- having issues or there's emotional um parts of of our lives or backgrounds that we don't want to address we've there's help to to unpack it um so yeah, and then that's just the the most um, powerful thing you can do is unpack it so that it doesn't run your life. Because if you're constantly running from your vulnerability and your feelings, you're still at hostage. You're still hostage to them. You know, you've got to confront them, and as you confront them and release them, um, you'll you'll find freedom. That is so true, and I love how you said out numbing and out running their vulnerabilities. And if people just say, oh, I really shouldn't drink so much or drinking so much is really bad. Well, not only is it expensive, but, you know, it very, it deteriorates your health. We did a show last week all about holistic health. If you guys missed that, you can check it out on the replays. Um, but I mean, a lot of people will, they'll know that it's not good for them, but they'll, it's still a crutch, you know, it's a numbing tactic or a, or a strategy for survival. But like you said, if they can confront and then release what's at the core of it, um, but yeah, they might, they'll need someone to help them through that. They'll need the professional or the AA to really guide them through that process. Yeah. 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 And that's, again, it's, it's the path unfolds as they walk, walk it. If they're ready to, to walk into a Buddhist recovery meeting or a AA meeting or, um, into their local medical center and, and reach out, then someone will reach in. Um, and I think that's the key, uh, is to, is to not stop at one. So if you go in and you don't think that that alcohol and drug counsellor had any idea what you were talking about and it wasn't a good fit, that's okay. Shelve them. But it doesn't mean that you don't try another avenue or another counsellor. So um, that's that's the key message, I think, um, that's also in the book is you've got all these tools. You're going to, you know, you, you ask for recommendations on a good restaurant and you listen to them. It's the same for alcohol and other drug counselling. You, you ask for a recommendation if someone says oh this counsel is really good well you you don't take that at face value ask them why how have they helped you why why have they been good and you you do your research like you would for an architect you were going to build a 200 you know million dollar house with or whatever so yeah it's just it's just commitment and resolve um but it's to yourself 
you're your own guru. It's your own journey. No one else has to agree to what you're choosing to do or which, if AA works for you but the rest of your family don't believe the God word, who cares? It works for you. It's your journey. It's your choice. I love that. Just reminding people, you know, I always say you are the uh, the CEO of your own life. Last week, Shelly Gowith, our guest, said you are the CEO of your own health. And they are. They are the guru. We are our own guru, but we do sometimes need people to guide us or help us uh, on the path. Um, so what about people that maybe they're not, they wouldn't consider themselves alcoholic, but how can we, I guess, support people that are getting into maybe hazardous drinking? How can we keep them from going down the path of becoming alcoholic? Are there some some strategies or tips as friends or as parents that we can take on board? Um, I think, again, all you can do is present tools. So you can say, you know your kid, you know whether they're an audio learner, a kinesthetic learner, visual. So you 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 buy them an audio book, you buy them the e-book, you buy them the paperback book. All you can do is proffer and offer a message. They're going to pick up the tools that are relevant for them. But I think having conversations in the home, having alcohol-free days, um, and you know, your point about the the outsmarting and outrunning, I think kids need to know that it's not when we turn, when there's an issue, we we have the conversations, the hard conversations. And that's what I don't think Commonwealth countries are very good at doing. You know, mm-hmm. French culture, they'll have the hard conversations. And um, that's what you need to do, have those hard conversations versus turn to a drink if someone's dying or this is happening or whatever. So I think it's about... It's not the alcohol itself that's the problem. It's not the can of beer or the little glass of whiskey. The problem is the way we use it to escape our feelings and not contend with what's actually happening for us. And I think that's that's the key there is, is are we modelling um, talking through those hard conversations? And they're the ones that we need to have, the light fluffy conversations you know well yeah great but that's not the that's not the stuff that really matters so yeah I think it's just upfront honesty in our in our relationships is is a good is a good start oh I love everything you're saying right now because I absolutely concur totally agree um we actually did a show if you guys missed it all about communication and we did um we had a beautiful guest about um about nonviolent communication and compassionate communication. I think you're right though. In a family, if we can create a culture where it's okay to say, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm so angry at the moment, or this is really bothering me rather than just going, Oh, I need a drink. And partly of course the parents know, you know, role modeling, quote unquote, role modeling is important. Um, at my house, my husband's a vegan and he doesn't drink. So I will occasionally buy myself like the smallest, you know how you buy a (laughs) bottle of wine and then like, okay, for me, whatever. So I buy this tiny bottle of like champagne um, because I'm the only one in the house. Um, so is, which is an interesting thing, but we also, we've got teenagers. So we want to talk to them about yep. alcohol. And I, I say to them, like, here's the, here's what you got to do. You, you got to make sure that you, if you have, they, they're not really in the party stage yet, but when, when you go to parties, you know, have, if you have a drink, then alternate, have a, fill it up with water, like fill up your can of beer or your bottle of whatever, with water. And then you can still stand there. You can still be drinking from the bottle, but the second one is water. So alternate with water, make sure you eat, you know, the basic stuff. Um, but also I think, you know, at least from my experience, if I'm like, if you're, if you're 
emotions are high. Like if you're yep. super excited about a party or something right. happened in your life and you're really strung out about it, it seems to magnify the impact of the alcohol. So again, saying to the kids or at least letting them know, hey, if your emotions or your adrenals are already fired up, that's going to kind of magnify. So if you feel like you normally can have three, well, it's going to feel like five or six just because you're super pumped or amped. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's just the, no, no, that's that's the right. advice I gave that's them. Right. And, and I totally concur with that because for me, it's um, I'm most at, at risk of relapse when I'm really excited. Mm. It's, it's, it's when... Um, because I'm pretty astute now with 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 realizing oh I'm 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 a bit grumpy or this is going on or I'm in, at risk of relapse and I'm I've got that pretty now but when I get into a elevated situation with a celebration or somebody hands a glass of champagne and I'm elevated that's really right because I'm already amplified and it's easy for me to just grab that glass and then it just go you know yeah I've got to be really really aware of of those times so yeah and 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 i think um there are like a proportion of us me definitely included in this who don't have off buttons you know we're the black and white thinkers we're the um with with the extreme kind of extreme approach to life so there's some of us that just can't just can't drink at all because we can't regulate that um that side of side of us so it, it's also about knowing yourself um it's also about knowing yourself so yeah I, I'm certainly not advocating that that everybody that gin uh, binges needs to stop drinking it's just where it's impacting your closest relationships it's impacting your work and it's really um impacting your life in a way that that you're not liking that's that's when you start to to, to have a look at it you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, in one of my other interviews, actually, uh, today, we talk about human design, which is something that I, I coach people in and I love talking about. And we talk about how people that are projectors, this is a, one of the five human design types, they're the sensitives in society. They're more susceptible to allergies, you know, noise, concerts, working yep. in a mall, but they also are more susceptible to, um, you know, additives in food, things like yep. that, but also alcohol. So we kind of say to them, hey, girls, you know, if you're a projector and you're going out for drinks with, with the friends, everyone else is having three, honey, you're having one. Like yep. we kind of say it not as a joke, but it's kind of true. Like some people yep. actually are. Um, partly, I imagine, given your family history, whatever, more susceptible. But also, for me, I'd say human design type, more susceptible to um, negative impacts, side effects of anything, mm. you know, vaccines, medication, but also mm -hmm. alcohol. So that is also something to be aware of. But like you said, if you're pumped, if you're amped, if you're ready to celebrate, but as long as you know, that's when it's a volatile, volatile time for me. I know that when I'm sad, I don't go, you know, I don't go near it, but you're like, when I'm happy, that's a volatile time. So thank you for pointing that out. A lot of people might not have made that connection. Yeah. And I've got one quick example of that. So when New Zealand won the America's Cup and I was invited out on a launch to watch that at the, because I sail um, a lot as well. And that I had to really steal myself before even getting on, on the boat that day, because the, the chances of us winning were pretty high, but I had to get my head into the state of, that whole day plus all the partying afterwards, I had to have a plan, which was just tonic water with, you know, like ice or whatever, but there had to be a plan. And that's what my book talks about too, is making all these plans before you need them. And um, but in a fun way. So you you set yourself up to up to succeed. 
um, if you're going to give it a shot. And I think that will encourage you to have the, the 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 braveness to take the next little step forward. You know, so that's it's just it's just a tool um, to make make you feel like you've got the best chance of succeeding if if you want to do it, if you want to try it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a plan, have a success strategy. And I guess some people would be like, they are like, their strategy would be like, I just don't go to parties. You know, like it's, that's all they just can't go. Whereas someone like you, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get on the boat, but I'm going to prepare myself and I'm going to have a plan for when I'm on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some parties I can't go to, you know, Mm -hmm. like I couldn't go to a, a, a party with Jimi Hendrix. I would end up, you know, yeah, drinking and playing music and being crazy. So there's situations where I just can't, even step into that space so you've but you're learning that you learn that as you as you walk your walk your journey so you've just got to know yourself and try to keep yourself safe and yeah but it's not always easy and in terms of teaching our kids that and our nephews and nieces yeah it's just presenting tools all the time and having those conversations that if you're not feeling well then substances aren't gonna aren't gonna fix that let's go for a run let's go for a sale it's modeling self-soothing that's not substance-based, I think. Absolutely. Modeling, I'm just going to reiterate that. It's so good. Modeling self, self-soothing self that's not substance-based. Yeah. Thank you so much. Reminder to our audience, if you do want to write in, let us know if this is resonating for you. This is a topic we haven't covered before, but of course it is related to you know empowering and supporting each other, which is what we're here to do. And while some people do have alcohol as the thing that drags them down, everyone has something that drags yep. them down. So yep. there's no finger pointing. There's no like your life is better or worse than mine. I just consider everybody equal, but not the same. And we all go through life learning experiences. And sometimes we have to learn a lesson multiple times before we actually learn it. (laughs) Exactly. And some of us don't get the memo and we don't learn. Um, And, you know, we, we lose people along the way. Um, So, you know, that's the saddest, that's the saddest part of it. Um, It's a subtle foe. Addiction's a subtle foe. Uh, So, you know, just if you're just feeling like, oh, I need to, I probably need to do something, then then my book could be a place to start. And that's all it is. It's just a starting point for you to take that journey for yourself. Or possibly a gift for others. Would it be something that would be appropriate if someone's like, oh my goodness, you know, my brother's really struggling or my uncle or whatever, um, they could give it as a gift? Do you think it would be well received? Oh, that's a, that's so funny you say that because Paper Plus Waiheke, I went when I went in with my book and said, and what about selling this? I'm I'm just so scared that people with a drinking problem aren't going to come up to the counter because mm-hmm. it's going to say I've got a drinking problem. And she said, Mara, there's only one way to find out. Bring in 10 books and we'll see. And so I took the 10 books in and I went back a week later and I said, well, so what's happened? Have any of the books sold? And she said, yes, all of the books have sold except for one. And I said, with people coming out with the book, she said, there were a lot of people buying for a friend, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think I think so. I think you can buy it for a friend um, so long as you don't shove it down their throat. You know what I mean? Like I do, and I think that's important. It's It's got to come from the right place, take it or leave it. But yeah. I think sometimes people want to help their friend and they don't know what to do and they don't just want to lecture them or – they just, they feel at a loss. So having a book like that, that they can say, Hey mate, got this for you. Or Hey sugar, you know, Hey honey, like if it's a woman got this for you, you know, I heard, you know, 
I heard this lady on RCR. She was pretty awesome. I just have a read if you, if you're up for it, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, I've got them in my house and my partner's nephew, he literally takes a wide arc around them to avoid them because of his own drinking issues. Right. So, <laughs> so he, he walks around the table, like t- keeping the widest arc he possibly can away from the books because there's people that aren't ready to look at that stuff. And that's fine too. It's just, mm-hmm. here's a tool. If it gets shoved back in your face, we'll just take it back. But Maybe you've planted a seed and maybe one day, five years later, they're going to come back and go, hey, that green book, where is it? You know, so, yeah. Love it. Okay, amazing. So tell us now then, while we're talking about it, how can people get it? Is it ebook? Is it hard copy only? Uh, it is audiobook. Uh, it is an ebook and it's a paperback and you can get it at mariemclean.com. So you just go to, yeah, M-A-R-E-E-M-A-C-L-E-A-N.com. Yeah, and then um, yeah, it just gets dispatched, so it'll just be sent out um, to you. So yeah, amazing! And congratulations for getting it into the bookstore. That's awesome, and the fact that it's so easy for people to get. Um, I don't know if you want to say the price or how or whatever. If it is, yeah. it's different price in different locations, it is. So it's um, twenty nine ninety nine for the paperback. It's fifteen dollars for the audio book, and um, it's less than a price of like a cup of coffee for the ebook because I didn't want a barrier to the people that needed it without any money getting it. So that's $4.99. So it's, yeah, you can buy all of those on my website, but it's also at Barnes and Noble in the US. Um, it's also online. Yeah. Um, all over the world. So yeah. Um, and I've written to Russell Brandt as well uh, with, I've got an idea for a, for a podcast. Um, so yeah, there's going to, yeah, there's going to be more news with this book coming up, which will be funny. <laughs> oh, um, congratulations. That's so awesome. And by the way, definitely less than a cup of coffee. I went to Columbus Coffee the other day um, when my daughter was swimming at the pool and I just went for a little walk with the dog. Eight dollars. I'm not what? even joking you. It was large, but come on. Okay. So yeah, great price. Okay. let's. We're going to dive into the questions now, which I ask all of my lovely guests. Um, so Mari, what is one thing you've done in the past year? where you truly upped your brave? I think putting myself out there with a book like this in the in the social media world where Jacinda was trolled mercilessly, like that I think is quite big for me because it's it's about the message. But um, yeah, it comes with an author, doesn't it? So I, I really don't want to be in the in that in that space where I can get trolled. So that that was brave for me to to do that for the message. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I figured the message is more important than me getting trolled. <laughs> yeah, the message is important and it's out there now and it's just going to amplify the impact. It's going to help so many lives. What is one thing on your bucket list that we can possibly help you with the RCR community? Something you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime? Um. Oh, that that's that's. That's an interesting question. For me, it's just related to this book. If you know anyone that's suffering, just make sure they, they're aware that it's there. Um, and again, you know, no no shoving it down their throat, but just, just that there's a funny book that, you know, people pick up and read from end to end straight away because it's really, really compelling. Um, and it is, it's, it's short. It's not a big, heavy book. And if they wanted to start somewhere, it's an audio book or whatever format. That That's just great because it's about the message getting out to as many people as, as need it. 
That's so awesome. Um, And by the way, for our listeners, I also love to hear from you. If there's something that you have on your own bucket list that you want to share with us, not only share, but you possibly want some help with, we don't do fundraising, but we do do connections, collaborations, community, and of course, courage here on the Up Your Brave show. So you can text into 2057 or if you're more of an email person, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Samari, you already gave us your website, but where else can we find you or follow you? And what else is coming up for you just in your life? You know, in the next six months, I know that you're on Waihiki, you work in a medical center, you know, you're living with Jimbo and your two small cats, um, Grace and Hope. What's coming up for you guys in the next six months? Uh, I think um, I'm going to, be heading to France uh, soon, and I'm going to make sure that the book can get out um, to a wider audience than New Zealand. So uh, that's sort of where I'm going. So really, honestly, if you if you get the book and you're traveling, travel with the book, you know, so that it, it's more um, visible so that people can see it. It's already via, the, via Amazon, and um, it's soon through its technical check for audio uh, audible so it's going to be worldwide uh so yeah it's just it's just if you read it review it feedback uh, help me with with getting the message out there uh and just remember when you're finding people that are struggling that it's there uh to help that that would be great yeah that would be really really appreciated amazing cuz yeah maybe one of your bucket list things is to you know empower over a million people who have hazardous drinking or or alcoholism um to turn things around and to be their own guru yeah 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 and it is that and it is that the next book is um not the the, the no bullshit guide to getting sober but the no bullshit guide to staying sober mm-hmm. so that's that's the next book because one thing's getting sober but actually staying sober and not relapsing is a whole nother another ball game so yeah so it's, yeah it's about that and um it will take path that it takes like if russell brand features it and other other um, media and celebrities feature it, it will it will go out and and reach as many people as it's meant to reach but yeah instagram mari mclean um i'm on instagram the same as my website twitter uh yeah so you can get me there as well sounds good all right hey before we wrap things up um is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to Jody Hammond who connected me with you, Natalie, because I yes. didn't know, and I'm really grateful that she connected us together. Um, I think what you're doing is great, and I think that it's just it, we've all got to keep putting ourselves just that little bit outside our comfort zone because that's where the magic happens, and that's what your show's about. So I'm just grateful to be allowed to be here today. Thank you. Amazing. Mari, so good to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your journey with us. And I'm sure it's going to help hundreds, if not thousands of Kiwis, as well as people around the world. Thank you so much, Mari. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Glad you enjoyed that. And remember to be your own guru. Hmm. I'm actually sending love to anyone out there who has themselves or someone in their life struggling with drinking. Um, And I'm hoping that some of the things that Marie, Mari and I discussed today is um, is going to empower you and give you some hope as well. We talked about how you decide how your sobriety is going to look. We talked about um, how you know outnumbing and outrunning their vulnerability and how important it is to confront and to release what's going on. We talked about guided meditations 
And this is really an episode that we're doing, I guess, in the lead up to dry July. And I was thinking, I was saying to her afterwards, you know, people might listen to this and they might decide to purchase her book and gift it to someone in their life because sometimes you don't know what to say or what to do for somebody. But maybe if this book um, that is written uh, so, you know, so genuinely from her own personal experience, maybe this can be something that can help them to um, to move forward and to to be on the path for them. So I'm hoping that's the case. You can find more information at uh, Mari McLean. It's M-A-R-E-E-M-A-C-L-E-A-N.com. And you can find the book there and more information as well. We'd love to hear from you, of course, 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. What resonated for you? What stood out for you in this interview or in our show today? If you've just joined us today, we're talking about self-discovery. And we've had two previous interview guests. We had Melaine Lee Butler. We talked about alignment and human design. And we had Matthew Tehuki talking about forgiveness and love. So thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And at this point in the show, I sometimes like to do a little bit of a flashback and maybe even a sneak peek um, of what's gone on in the past, a previous guest, or what's coming up in future weeks. And the one that I've chosen for the flashback is the incredible interview with linguist Lisa Black. She is actually a feminine um, empowerment coach. She's amazing. And she's just, her way with words is absolutely magical. If you can definitely listen to the entire episode, you can check out all my replays, go to realitycheck.radio slash replays. It has all of the hosts and all of their shows. But if you go to the Up Your Brave show, you can check them out. You can just go to replays and type Lisa. It's Lisa with an L-Y-S-A. Here's a little sneak peek um, when we are talking about owning your power, which is a great interview related to this week's topic of self-discovery. Here it is. Here's Lisa. It's actually ideal because mm. if you're not distinct and clear enough You've to allow words, some people to open, leave, you will fair, never be distinguished and clear enough the story, for people to find it's you. Easy to so, say them, you know, when I have unsubscribers and unfollowers or like friends or I have a conversation, it's like, this is not going to work. Zealand, I deeply celebrate myself for that. Reality yeah. check, reality it's such an uncommon experience. And if we can come back really nurturing that and being like, yeah, this is your power, Walks away. You they actually celebrate it instead of thinking, work. what did they I do wrong? How can I fix it? Which is kind of the natural response or feeling like, oh goodness, what, you know, is it, it's me, it must be me. No, I love that. So if we can all aim to get to that point in terms of owning your own power, imagine celebrating when someone walks away. And it's fun and it's infectious. I now have friends and clients who come to me like, oh, subscribers today. And I'm like, yes. And I feel like it creates this culture and if we create a culture where we accept the conditions of repelling to attract 
then we actually build up strength and stamina within our system to take up even more space because you only get better at this, right? What about those people that are listening that go, well, that's, you know, as some people do, you know, that's good for you because you're so confident or you're so outgoing or you're so extroverted. I'm shy or I'm an introvert. You know, what if people that label themselves like that, or I would say limit themselves like that, what do you have to say to them about their version maybe of repelling to attract? Mm, I, I really have deep respect that we have to, I never invite anyone to leap. I always go, just get really near your edge and assess what's in it for you. And so when we really look at the disadvantages of how much we stay quiet and hold back and reduce and minimize ourselves in order to prevent loss, if we could really equate how much loss is involved with that for us, it really makes it a lot easier to see that the peace of mind the internal security, the clarity that we have in our internal world is actually more precious than any connection with anyone else. Anything that would jeopardize my peace of mind will not be permitted. And so once we start valuing the peace compared to the inner turmoil, I heard someone say the other day, but I don't like conflict. And I said, when we refuse external conflict, we invite internal conflict. And we create the illusion, right? Women love creating this illusion that they're calm and they're at peace. But when it's fraudulent and when it's a facade and where they're selling a lie that they're deeply in discord with themselves, that revolts me. I find that so uncomfortable. I think the alternative of permitting other people to be uncomfortable around us actually really allows us to find deep comfort within ourselves. And if anyone feels that within me, they then have permission to give that to themselves. And there's nothing more precious in the world. So wherever anyone is, I was shy. I, no one knew me. I was a wallflower. No one knew my name. I was indistinguishable um, all throughout my teenage years and my 20s, even in business. You know, when I first started, you know, I thought it was incredible from the beginning. I am Australian. I do have a good confidence within myself. But what I've realized is that this idea of being shy is very often a fawn-based trauma coping response mm. where we tell people we're shy purely to have a social excuse for not asserting our viewpoint in the world. And it's I, I usually say shy is not a thing when people tell me they're shy. Oh. No, it's not a thing. It's a it's a fabrication that gives us permission to stay quiet and not be questioned about it. Revolting. Revolting. Let's go a little bit more on that because that will be that that will repel some people. Us saying, "Well, shy is not a thing," just because yeah. we're outgoing and confident. So, w w like, what do you what is that? What do you mean exactly? And I just I'll just jump in first because you talked about um, conflict. So mm -hmm. I'm I you know me I love the personality types. I love the human design. I love the um, strengths finder and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. harmony is, in fact, so we all have 34 strengths within us, mm -hmm. and uh, some of them bubble to the top, right? And um, for some people, empathy is really high. And for some people, empathy is actually kind of middle of the road for me. But um, for some people, harmony is really, really high, which means they don't like conflict, which means they naturally will try to be the peacemaker. They'll naturally try to avoid or evade uh, conflict. But sometimes conflict, it, it needs to be, th some things need to be said. <laughs> 
they must be said. And there's certain moments where if we don't don't say our true feelings in that moment, that will ripple through and cascade into our lives and infiltrate every context. This masculine view of life being linear and segmented and I can act like this in this place, but I can be this person here. It's actually not true. There's a level of resonance to who we are that people can feel from our children at home to our partners and our private lives to our friends and our clients. They can actually feel when we're guarded or deceptive. And for me, this illusion of being able to posture and put on a facade, we're actually gaslighting others to feel a lack of trust with their own sense, with their own feelings. And that was my whole backstory of, of having someone gaslight me out of believing and trusting what I felt and knew to be true within myself. So I, I can't support any of that. I can't stay a part of it. Hope you enjoyed that little flashback on the interview with Lisa Black. And as I mentioned, you can find all the replays. You go to realitycheck.radio and click replays. Otherwise, you can go to my show, um, realitycheck.radio slash host slash Natalie Cutler Welsh. I don't know if you could spell that, um, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it and just type up your brave in the search. Um, now, next, I'm going to give you a really quick sneak peek of a conversation, an interview that I've got coming up next week. I'm talking to Gloria Masters on a very um, emotive topic, and she thanked me for actually having the courage to approach this topic, and I feel like it is crucial and something that I want to raise awareness on. In fact, for the first time ever, I started to cry in the interview, um, which you can listen to next week. Um, but here it is, my interview, just a little sneak peek for you. Gloria Masters, we're actually talking about child sex trafficking. But we're actually calling this episode The Power of Truth, because that's what it is about. It's about being empowered. Here we go. So let's start with, if we can, how would we know? Are there certain signs that a parent would notice if something like this was happening? I mean, I've heard of a situation where the couple, you know, the parents were divorced and the mom didn't know it was going on because she didn't have sole custody. But so how, what would, what signs or signals would a parent look for? Cause this could also be happening in a childcare location. So it might, it's not always the parent. Well, I think so. So there's a couple of things that may help Nat. One is that over 93% of child sexual abuse today is, um, is by a person or people known to the child. So I think, um, Expecting that it's the old stranger danger is inaccurate. Um, and I think there's many things around signs. So one thing I often tell parents is, is simply this. You are the expert on your child. If you notice that your child's behavior is changing and becoming extreme, either more out there, more attention-seeking, more verbal, vocal, aggressive. Um, there's, there's a could be a signal there. Equally, where a child has become quite withdrawn, uh, there could be something going on there. The uh, there are so many things, Nat, but maybe just a few more. One is, and I I really think this is powerful for parents. For those that don't understand what regression is, regression is going back in time. So if you see your child or adolescent regressing, 
It might be that they start clinging to you. It might be that they don't want to leave your side. They just seem to want to hang out with you constantly. It might be that you see some um, powerful body reactions like, I don't know, thumb sucking or rocking back and forth. Um, it might be that they're just on the verge of tears all the time. So there's a couple of things that you can do, and one is this, and I think it's powerful. Are you okay for me? Yes. That? Okay. So one is this. Stop asking children what's happened. That's an adult theory. Children show us through their behavior, but equally we've got a little shortcut because keep in mind Children that are being abused are also being threatened to keep the silence. They're told you can never tell anyone or don't you ever speak. Well, guess what? Let's get around that, Nat. Put down a pen and a bit of paper. Draw two boxes. Say to the child, can you tick the box here with the Y in it if something's happening that's making you feel uncomfortable? They weren't told they couldn't draw or write. I think that's so important to give kids and because we do that. We're like, what's happened? Tell me what's wrong. And then they just shut down. Very simple, giving them a box to tick. Now, of course, they might tick a box and it might not be something as dire as this, but well, at least the, it gets things going. We start there and then we break it down and we break it down and we break it down. I was over in Australia on a radio um, show there and where parents were calling in and asking all these sorts of things. And I think the power is in the child doing or showing through their play. So there are many, many modalities um, that children or forms that children can use to express something's not right. So if you get, yes, I'm not okay, your, your next question to the beautiful parents and grandparents out there might be, um, is someone hurting you? Yes or no? And then is someone you know, touching you. So so there's kind of a pro progression we go through. Um, and people are very welcome, Nat, um, to reach out if they have questions or sometimes I run group sessions for, for parents to join so that they can ask any questions they wish. You can listen to the full interview with Gloria next week on the Up Your Brave show where we're going to be focusing on empowered families, empowering families next week. Um, and I love what Gloria says in the interview, when truth is spoken, people are freed. And that is partly what this is about as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, where we talked about self-discovery. We would love to hear what resonated for you. And I would love to know, what have you discovered about yourself in the past six months or so? And if I were to ask you the question I ask all my guests, which is what have you done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Maybe it was something that you achieved or persevered or navigated through. I would love to know. You can write into us 2057 on the text. Uh, for more personal discovery and development, I'm actually doing a online training, a little online workshop next week, which is called Human Design for Your Relationship. It's for relationships, whether that's your marriage one of your children or a business partner, um, you can understand yourselves and them better. So judge each other less um, and respect and appreciate each other more, which is what it's all about. You can check that out, upyourbrave.com. And you can also check out my recommendations page if you want more people, more incredible people to help you to up your brave in whatever area of life that may be. 
You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR, Reality Check Radio.